Welcome to the second edition of Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo. Hey, Q, you, you came back from the Super Bowl, man. Like, how was that experience for you, bro? Man, I'll tell you right now, that is a hell of an experience. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain because from the outside, it looks like, oh, my gosh, you're at the Super Bowl. It's the greatest thing ever. But at the same time, it's almost like being on Wall Street where it's just it's bananas. Like everybody's just going crazy. Everyone's trying to get uh, different athletes to do interviews and trying to get them at their table. And there's really no kind of set anything. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like three, two, one, go. And everyone goes. So I'll tell you right now, at the end of the week, and I mean, I was in the AT and I had so many plans when I had headed there. I was like, man, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. I'm going to visit this place. I'm going to go hang out here. I'm going to party with this dude. By the time the week came to an end, by the time I was done on Radio Row on Friday, I didn't want to do anything. Now, I did go out and do stuff, but still, I was dog tired. I mean, if you said, Q, let's just go get a burger and then go back to the house and chill, I would have been like, that's cool. That's awesome because I was dog tired. But, again, you can't complain when you're working, but you're at the Super Bowl and you're hanging out in the ATL and you're on the company's uh, paycheck. It's all good. Let's let's, let's, just really break it down. You got paid to buy the four-letter network or the company that – you work for that has supported that network as their affiliate. Right. To go to the Super Bowl, you got paid to be at the Super Bowl. Now, to me, you know, and I, and I didn't, I haven't gone to a Super Bowl. I, I mean, I think one of the one of the ones where it's kind of like a, like a free for all like that for me is I did a a, a PBC, the very first PBC boxing, um, and it was I think uh, Thurman was on the um, and Thurman was in was on the car. It was a big fight for him. It was in Vegas. At the time, I was doing my sports talk show in L.A., and they flew us up, and for two days, it was like a media scrum. I mean, Deontay Whitaker or Deontay Wilder was there, and, you know, that's my boy, so we ended up, you know, like, I got him on, and JT the Brick was right next to me, and actually was the start of mine and JT's friendship was me, him, and Looney, and then uh, the guys that did the show with one guy wasn't, wasn't, uh, couldn't make it. There's a, a, a emergency that he decided he, you know, he needed to stay home for. But then the other host and myself, we were there and it was a ball. So I feel you, you get, when you get paid to do something and you're not just doing it in a basement, you know, or in a closet, it, it must feel good, right? I mean, that, that's, that means we're living the dream. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Again, I mean, sometimes you start thinking like, man, I'm working all these hours. I'm doing this. It's crazy. This guy wants me to go here. I got to go here. I got to go here. But then when you take two steps back and you realize, Doc, I'm at the Super Bowl, something I've watched my whole life, but I'm actually there. I'm living it up. I'm hanging out with all these guys. You mentioned Deontay Wilder. He was there. You know what I mean? He was there this this uh, time around. There's a bunch of boxers that were there. There's a bunch of MMA guys that that were there. And, I mean, you know Helen Yee. You know, she's right there in Vegas with you. Yeah. She she was there, and she kind of – it felt good for me because I've been there like five, six times now on Radio Row. And she actually came to me, and you know she's a hell of a hustler. She came to me and was like, yeah. Q, can you kind of give me the you know give me the rundown of how it goes down here? And I was like, wow, I'm actually – I'm teaching somebody else the ropes, you know what I mean? So I almost felt like a veteran. <laughs> so it, it felt pretty good, and she did a great job. She got, she was out there getting her hustle on. But, yeah, there was boxers. Uh, there was wrestlers. There were uh, MMA guys out there. Obviously, there was football players. There was basketball players. I mean, just it was crazy, man. It, it's the Mecca. I mean, it really, really was. It was a great, great time, and uh, I can't complain. And, again, if this is what you do for a job, this is what you're doing for a living, you're not really working. I mean, it's just – it's really not. You can never complain about your job. That's real. And then my mentor, Fred Rogan, he's the, the sports director for NBC Los Angeles. He was there. And Fred is um, 
and, and, I, and I'm biased by saying this, and I, and I know we'll get to all, everything Raiders in just a moment, folks, but Fred, to me, he is the best sports broadcaster on TV that does what he does. And he not only does he have his, his TV show in L.A. where he does sports, you know, does the, the, during the, the main newscast, but he also has, like, various TV shows that he... He pitches and people buy into a show like Going Rogan, which is like around the horn, just an L.A. version of it, where the who's who of L.A. sports talk radio, not even just L.A. I mean, you got guys from San Diego coming up as well. I mean, it is it is the show to be on. And then he also hosts the Olympics. And he also has a radio show five days a week. Fred is the ultimate hustler. And you mentioned Helen. Um, Helen, man, the respect I have for Helen is amazing with her grind mm-hmm. and with everything she does in Vegas. I was coaching when I was coaching high school football out there. She literally came to the high school to interview one of our coaches because he just got named as the head coach. And um, UNLV alum and the whole the whole nine. And uh, she sat there and was asking the right questions and 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 just to see her do that go from high school to high school to interview coaches and to know helen on a personal level because you know helen catches a lot of flack online i think you and i both see it because helen is very fit helen is not an ugly woman by any means she's very um conscious about her body and and the way she looks and a lot of people just kind of discredit her because she's because she's a woman that that actually is fit and and has a nice figure, and they don't mm-hmm. really respect Helen's grind. They don't know that Helen the 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 avenue she had to take to move up the ranks, and now she actually has a show um, with Seat uh, in Vegas on uh, the Fox affiliate um, with Seat Williams. Um, she's on there with him, so that's dope for her. It's dope for Seat, and it's dope for the city of Las Vegas. And um, and speaking of Las Vegas, you know, not, you know, we just get to the. The elephant in the room for I think for the next few weeks is, you know, we both everybody knows the Raiders are moving to Vegas in 2020. We we are very aware of it. Uh, the stadium was progressing nicely. In fact, it's ahead of schedule. Um, but where are they going to play in 2019? Now we did we did the first show. I was hell bent on them playing at Oracle, uh, formerly known as AT and T Park, and I think that was the direction the Raiders um, and other people involved thought it was going until the mayor of San Francisco stepped in and put the kibosh to that. And, right. and, and even, even, um, the 49ers did as well. You know, they kind of, Jed York kind of was like, ah, I don't want, but I think Jed was trying to get the rent from the Raiders to come play at Levi's. So now, according to, uh, uh, Michael Gelkin from the RJ and, um, a few other people online, the Raiders and the city of Oakland, are reengaged in talks, and it's ironic that it came out just it came out on the twelfth um, that that was actually taking place. Um, now, as we record this on the thirteenth, the lease expired today. Yep. So this is the this is the first step on them. More than likely, and I'm going to say hopefully because I think you know I, I really hope they finish in the Bay Area this year. That the Raiders uh, could be playing at Oakland Coliseum for one final season. 
I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. That's something I've been saying the whole time that my gut feeling, not knowing anything, not talking to anybody, but just my gut feeling was that they were going to end up in Oakland some way, somehow. Um, I didn't like Oracle. I didn't like the fact that they were going to go play at, like you mentioned, AT&T Park or Pac Bell Park, whatever, the home of the Giants. If you're going to play on a baseball field, you might as well make it the A's field. I mean, that's what you've already been doing. You might as well be there. And I get it. I get the politics behind it. I get the lawsuit and all that good stuff. But at some point, man, uh, you just have to realize that it's no longer about you it's no longer about the city of Oakland it's just about your loyal fans and that's one thing you cannot discredit when it comes to the Raider Nation you can't discredit uh, the fans in the Bay Area the uh, the Oakland fans the anyone around there I mean Hayward San Leandro Richmond Berkeley Fremont I mean all those all those fans that are Raider fans that are right there in the Bay that go there and spend their hard-earned money and are are there at the game super early and they're tailgating all that good stuff look they realize that mom and dad are getting divorced but yet dad's still living in the house with mom and they're still cool with that even though at some point once dad's new house is built he's gonna bounce and they've been cool with that even though in everyone's heart nobody likes it it's the second time that pops is leaving the crib i mean it's that's basically how you could put it he's leaving again you know and it's like all right i guess this is going to be the final time and the place that they're going to have in vegas like you said it's coming along nicely uh they deserve a great place it's going to be state of the art they're ahead of schedule like you mentioned it's going to be awesome it's absolutely what they deserve but for one more year, I, I've always just felt in my gut that they just need to chalk it up and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. I don't care about you, Libby Schaff. I don't care about my ego. All I care about is our loyal fan base being happy. And I know that's not necessarily how you run good business. I get that. I totally get that. But sometimes the bad business decision turns out to be the good business decision in the long run. So I think that once this gets done, if it gets done indeed, then that's going to be the ultimate good look move for the Oakland Raiders. I think I, I think is I have two points I want to touch on. One, I think the analogy to me is like a two people going through a divorce, but they're forced to live with each other because they can't afford to move out yet. They can't afford to be on their own yet. That's a good one. And I'm not saying That's the Raiders good. are broken. I'm not, and I know they're going to be some people that try to run with that. Right. But uh, being someone that was in that situation, you know, when when you're going through a divorce and then you have kids in the house and somebody decided that they no longer want to be in that relationship. Um, but they can't afford to leave. You still love them enough to say, I'm not going to let you be on the street. Right. So come pay these bills in this house, and we'll try to cohabitate just until the tax money comes. And it could, it could be like in September, but, okay, we can go five months or four months with us living in the same house until the tax money comes and then we go our separate ways we get the divorce finalized and we move on forever and 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 the second point i want to touch on and i'd love to get your thoughts on both of those the analogy as well as my next point i'm going to give mark davis a lot of credit the reason being is mark could very easily have taken the you know and really looked into the tucson birmingham idea where you play, where you play four, you know, or really three games in Tucson and four in Birmingham, or vice versa, plus your one, your one game across the pond in London. Um, you, you really give him credit for saying, "Okay, look, I don't want that. I want to be where my fans, my team's fans are. And if it's for one last year, we can make every home game that we have here a celebration because for somebody in that stadium." That's going to be the final time they see the Oakland Raiders. Right. 
Not saying they can't come, they, they won't come to Vegas to see the Las Vegas Raiders, but for some people, that could be that is going to be the final time they witness the Raiders playing in Oakland as the Oakland Raiders. And I give Mark Davis a ton of credit, Mark Bedane as well for, like you said, setting their egos aside and try to do what again what Mark Davis really has always tried to do beyond what some people think is do what's best not only for his team but Raider Nation itself. No, I'm with you. And again, it's funny, man, because, you know, you can always talk about, you know, business decisions and, and business is business, man. I mean, ultimately, you're in business to make money. I mean, that's what it is. And we all know that Mark Davis, we all know the Raiders, even Al Davis uh, has tussled and wrestled and arm wrestled with the city of Oakland trying to get a real deal stadium built. It didn't happen. So now... 2019, we're where we're at right now. And, and we know that the Oakland Raiders won't be the Oakland Raiders for much longer. They will be in Vegas, like like you mentioned. And, you know, they again, they deserve it. I said it already. They deserve that state-of-the-art, uh, you know, stadium. So that's great. That's awesome. And uh, I, I can agree with you 100% that there's a lot of different deals that Mark Davis probably could have took. You know, I mean, there was talks about Arizona even before the Tucson-Birmingham, which I think that that was insane. I thought that that was just silly. Tucson and Birmingham uh, split it and everything. I mean, that just almost looks, makes you look like a carny. Like, you're traveling, you know, city to city, and you're building up a, a carnival. And I'll tell you right now, personally, there's one carnival that I would never go to, and there's one carnival that I would never allow my kids to go to. That's the one that's not uh, that doesn't live in that, that area. You know what I mean? Like, if you're in Vegas and you go to, uh, what is it, New York, New York, the casino, where it has the big uh, the big roller coaster on top of the casino, that's New York, New York, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That thing is born there. That thing lives there. But I'm not going to the carnival that's on the corner of blank and blank, and they just put it up overnight, and all of a sudden they're going to leave by Monday. I'm not going to that. Because that's a traveling carny, and that's almost what it was going to sound like. Okay, the Raiders are going to play three games in Birmingham, four in Tucson, one in London. It's like, are you serious? Are you a traveling roadshow? That was that was kind of a joke. So, I mean, I'm glad that that's pretty much uh, off the table. Uh, I'm glad that Oracle, again, like I mentioned, is off the table just because there's no reason to to play in San Francisco. And I'm glad the 49ers didn't give up their territorial rights. I really am. I mean, again, how would that sound? It's the Oakland Raiders by way of San Francisco. The Oakland Raiders are playing in San Francisco when the San Francisco 49ers are playing in Santa Clara. I mean, think about that. Like, <laughs> it just, you know what I'm saying? It kind of makes it look like the whole Bay Area screwed up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, okay, well, one can make the argument that it is. One can make the, I mean, you got teams leaving that area, moving across one side of the Bay Bridge to the other. You got one that left all in, entirely just playing in a whole different part of it down the road. I mean, it, it's all over the place. But I'm, I'm going to say this, though. First of all, and nothing wrong with going to a carnival and on the corner of whatever because they have some of the – that's fun. On a Friday night Hell where you've no. got nothing going on, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not I'm not going to go on the big roller coasters, the big – no, but I go on those swings that go around in a circle. I'll, I'll walk around, look at the girls. With the, That's you know, all the kids I'll do. I'll walk around, look at the girls, but I ain't letting my kids go on the rides because the rides are going to break. The rides are going to be put together by some meth head that is just on some on some you know traveling to. I'm serious, and I don't care. Hey, if anyone is listening is a carny, you know. You know the truth. If you're a traveling carny, you are not a professional. Now, if you're the like Ringling Brothers Circus, you know Barnum and Bailey Circus, that's a different su subject. But if you're just going and, and packing up in the grocery store parking lot for the weekend, no, 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 no go. I can't do it. <laughs> but I'll, but I'll say this. I think the 49ers not giving up their territorial rights was more of a power play by Jed York. Yep. Because I really believe that he is a guy that was trying to get the rent from the Raiders 
for those for those seven games, or really those nine games, including the two preseason games. I, I think that that's, that was kind of his angle, and I think the league would have been cool with that because it's like, okay, why spend $7.5 or whatever it may be to stay in Oakland at that stadium where you can go down here and play in what most people would consider a, a nicer stadium because it is newer, there's less leakage and issues like that going on. They have their own issues down there, don't get me wrong. But there's, there's less issues with that versus you know paying let's say five and a half million so you're saving two two million or whatever it may be i think the league would i think that was where york was going and i like the fact that mark davis mark bedane um they sat back and said no you know what let's just go ahead and just finish out in oakland you know if, if we if we can make this work but also man i agree with the you know i don't i don't think I don't think personally that uh, Birmingham and Tucson um, was even considered a really a real option. Right. But let's give their municipality some credit. I mean, they got really creative. They shot their shot, and they said, "Hey, the worst someone can say is no." So you know what? Let's give it a shot. And who wouldn't want? I mean, if you're in Tucson, you get a chance to get an NFL team for three or four games. If you're in Birmingham. You get an NFL team for three or four games. I mean, that's pretty badass for those people in that area. I mean, I mean it if is. You really think about it. It is, but you're a laughing stock of the league. You know what I mean? Like, how, how you're getting laughed at if whoever you're playing, saying you're playing the Chargers twice a year, who still don't have their stadium, they're playing in a soccer stadium, but they have to all of a sudden their second game when they're supposed to go visit you, they're actually going to Birmingham. I mean, I, if I'm an opposing team, if I'm an opposing player, I'm laughing all the way to the bank like you guys are a clown show. And that I'm sorry, there's just something about your your presentation. And that would have been a terrible presentation. So it, it is good to shoot your shot. I mean, hell, I done shot a, a, a tweet over at J-Lo and I shot a tweet to Rihanna and be like, Hey, how about your boy? Shoot me a DM. I never got a response. So you're right. The, all, the worst they can say is no. I did shoot my shot. But damn, I mean, that's that's awful. That's just awful. <laughs> well, I think we'll have a, a resolution with this in the next, maybe by the next time, next week when we record, I think there probably is going to be a resolution. Yeah. Something we'll have, you know, I think it's going to move pretty quick. But, and, then that's, and that is for... This, you know, for the Raiders' sake, for the NFL's sake, um, I believe it was um, not Mick Akers. Um, I'm gonna get to what Mick put out in a minute. Um, oh, my boy uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Uh, he put out a, a, a interesting tweet um, going over the open dates in the month of September, and really they could only play one game in September. If the NFL wanted, they could schedule a later game in London. I get think having like week four and having have bye week week five, and then that way they only have one game on the dirt for the most part, unless the A's uh, go on a magical run, um, which they very well could do. They're they're a playoff team last year, and right. they surprised the hell out of everybody. Yep. But um, for the most part, they could. That means they can only play one game on dirt conceivably, and and that would work out well for the Raiders, I would think. Yeah, I do too. I, I would love to see that. I mean, uh, again, I know John Gruden's talked about it before. He loves to see the dirt on the field because it's old school, it's vintage and all that. No, it's old and tired, man. It's old and tired, and football players in 2019 should not be playing on dirt. That might You might as well just go outside in the street and play. You might as well go on the Las Vegas Strip and go play football. I mean, you know what I mean? There's just there's no reason for it. So, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. If that is how it shook out, that'd be great. Unfortunately, where, I, where I'm where i from and, and the, the belief that I have is that the NFL is never 
going to do the Raiders any kind of favor. So I have a feeling that they're not going to do that, but I would love for them to do that. And that is a, that is a pretty good uh, little what's the, uh, what's the word for it? a little um, nugget that, that Paul Gutierrez dropped out there. And uh, I kind of like that. Now, if he could ever return any of my text messages that I sent him, that'd be great too. But hey, that's just a side note. Just throwing that out there. Hey, hey, he's a UNLV guy. He's a rebel, you know, so uh, we actually have a, a few mutual acquaintances. Let's see if we can let that. No, he'd be a cool guest to have on to chop it up with. Let's just do, yeah. try to make that one happen. No, he's got um, great stuff. He's got great stuff. And it's just, I, I mean, I get I get it, man. I'm in Central Texas, and it is what it is. And, and I know he's a super busy dude. But, man, I've reached out to my man about four or five times, and I've, I've never even got a response like, no. <laughs> I just have got nothing. But again, I hey, look, being in the game, being in the industry, you know it just as well as I know it. It's a hard hustle, and sometimes you just don't have time to respond to everybody, so I get it. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be great to, uh, to hear from him, and if we can get him on the show one day, that'd be even better. I'm going to tell you, the, I'll tell you the trick to get him to, uh, to respond to you. When you tweet at him, put bruh or bro. Okay, okay. <laughs> he hates that. Uh, I got out of myself, I was like, bruh. What are you talking about, bro? And he's like, here you go again. It's just, it was so funny. And then everybody started doing it. So it kind of got. But you brought up something that I really I disagree on. And, and, and it's an old way of thinking. And I know, a, I know longtime Raiders fans feel this way. And this wasn't even on the rundown. <laughs> this is what makes it. Yep, this is what's great. I, I love how this just kind of morphed into something. The NFL um, hates us, Joe. The NFL hates the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I, you know what? I'm going to go on a limb and say that's not the case. Maybe, maybe when Al Davis was running the team, but let me let me make this clear. When the Raiders got approved for relocation, and I'm I'm going to liken this to Thanksgiving dinner. The 31 other NFL owners welcomed Mark Davis to the big boy table. The 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 because he did what was best for his franchise. And it's making other owners money now versus them just taking money from other owners. It put them in a position to use their brand and market it in a way that has never been done before, except when they first went to L.A. It's put them in a position, it's put Mark in a position to be on five different NFL committees, which he's currently on. He wasn't on any before this. I think the NFL looks at what Mark Davis has done and what Mark Bedane has done, and the days of we're going to screw the Raiders are over. Let's be honest. People want to talk about penalties and games. Guess what? More times than not, the guys are holding, or there is a, there is illegal touching downfield, legal contact, or there's PI, you know, or a face mask. Officials do miss calls. As somebody who follows the Green Bay Packers closely, I, they, the fan base tends to think that ESPN and the other networks hate Green Bay when it comes to draft day or anything else because right when it gets to their pick, they go to commercial. Or they don't like Green Bay because of this, so there's this calls that's not happening. No, their officials making mistakes. Every fan base overreacts to that. And I think that's the case now with the Raiders. This isn't Al Davis's Raiders. Yes, there's still the, the foundation and the heartbeat and the and the the core values are the same. Once a Raider, always a Raider. You want big guys. You want highway speed guys. You want big arm quarterbacks. I mean, you guys are the, the Raiders are the nomad. You guys are the, the bad boys. In yeah, that's all the same. But at the same time, the NFL's not like no, we're going to screw the Raiders because, quite frankly, when the Raiders, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Packers, the Steelers, the Giants. The when and you can include the Patriots in there right now. When those seven teams are good, that's good for the NFL. That's good business. 
So why the hell would they want them bad for so long? The NFL is craving for them to be good. Two years ago, when they were three, yeah, two years ago when they were winning, when they went to the when they went to the playoffs, the NFL loved it. They absolutely loved the fact that they went to the playoffs because everybody, Raider Nation, came out in full force. They weren't the Homer Simpson hiding in the bushes like 49er fans or these other bandwagon fans from other teams that just come out when their team is good. They come out, but when they're really good, they're more boisterous. I was at a, I was at a casino during that season in a sports book watching a game, and the Raiders all throughout the casino, people on the casino floor saying it to the people in the sports book. It was phenomenal. The NFL wants that. I don't think the NFL wants the Raiders to suck. I think it's the opposite at this point. I think Mark Davis has proved himself, and beyond what other people think, to be a businessman that has good business, people making good business decisions for him. No, I, I look. I can agree with you with the fact that it's not the it's not Al Davis's Raiders anymore, and I can tell that the NFL is not down on the Raiders like they were when Al was the owner and I get it why they were down on them and I know why they were coming after him but I mean the reality is that they came after him they came after him and there was a lot of shady things that went on between the Raiders when Al Davis was the owner I get it the Raiders in the NFL and Al Davis never ever got along I totally get it he did his own thing he was a maverick and Mark Davis is not that guy totally get it to this day though there's still a lot of situations that go on I mean the Raiders will have a terrible season and they'll have a terrible record and then they'll end up with the hardest schedule in the in the league they'll end up with it every time and it and they're not supposed to have that it's not it's supposed to be a little bit uh it's supposed to be kind of it's not supposed to be like that let's put it like that i don't even know the right but, word but that's based off but that's based off a record from the year previous where you do year you don't know what teams get good i mean hell who would have you would have told anybody a year ago that green bay would be picking 12th overall and have aaron Rodgers play in in every game you would have been, you would have said, and Mike McCarthy would have been fired. You would, people would have told you you're crazy. But no. yet, look at it. They be, they became teams. They be, they got blown out by teams. Right, and teams that are bad get good. I mean, I totally get that. I'm just saying that's one example, but it happens year after year after year. Not only that, they end up with the most traveling miles every single year, and I get it. They're on the West Coast, so they got to travel far, but they do every single year. And if you look at the schedule, it never never plays out where it's like, oh, that's a fair schedule or that's a reasonable schedule. It just, it doesn't. But I get what you're saying. It's not as bad as it used to be, but there's still times where you look and be like, well, you could tell that that's the NFL bias against the Raiders. What I will say that they have going for them, in my opinion, is they got Jerry Jones going for him, and he's a heavyweighter. I mean, he is. He's that oh, guy. That's Robert Kraft as well. well. Yeah, but more Jerry. More Jerry because Jerry was Al's dude. You know what I mean? And so he's always going to look at like Mark as his little brother or whatever. And so there's, I mean, a lot of the reason, and I know that you were behind or you were one of the guys that were first on the news that they were going to have the stadium in, in, in Vegas. I didn't think it was ever going to happen. You're like, oh, that's the that's uh, worst kept secret in Vegas. And I was like, okay, that's, that's what's up. But half the reason why they're in Vegas is because of Jerry. So, I mean, I get that, but he's got, he's also got heavy hitters on his back. And, and like you said, uh, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones are major heavy hitters. Well, and 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 I'll say this: like, and, and, I, and I, you talk about the travel miles, and I'm gonna let's just make this perfectly clear because I know you know this, but there was a report, and it slips my mind who it was. So, uh, if I knew the name, if I top my head, I would say it, but I, I don't, um, or I forgot at the moment. <clears throat> there was a report that was basically called the Raiders a joke because they have, they're going to play in London for another year. Well, it's the NFL rule. That if you're relocating and your stadium is not done, you have to play out of the country. 
until that stadium is done. That's part of the relocation, I guess, the, the, the deterrent is to go play in London or Mexico City. Right. That's why they're going to London. They're not going to screw the fans. Beyond what fans, some fans want to put out there or think. Where some people that are uninformed that do podcasts and, and radio shows or write blogs or do vlogs or whatever. They do it because it's an NFL rule. Now, once they move to 2020, guess what? I think they got like one. I think they, that's where they have, uh, then that, that ceases to exist and they're locked into playing there for eight games. There's only one team that hasn't left the country to play a game left in the NFL after this 2019 season. So you figure 31 teams have gone out the country and, and lost a home or a road game. And there's only one that hasn't. So I don't, I mean, it's part of the process. I don't think, again, I just don't think that the NFL is purposely trying to stick the Raiders. Again, when, when they interceded, when Al Davis was attempting to trade up and trade to get John Elway back in the, at the, in the 84 draft, when the NFL, and they thought they had a deal, or I think it was either Elway, but they had, they thought they had a deal with Chicago, which would have flipped them to get them to Elway. Uh, when Pete Rozelle shot that down, yeah, that, that was, that's absolutely true. But I don't think now, not not with the, the landscape of the NFL, and not with again, like yeah, I agree with you with Jerry Jones, with Robert Kraft, with some of the powerful the Rooney family, with some of these powerful owners and these power players behind the scenes. Um, there's no way that the NFL is trying to trying to screw somebody over, especially when you got so much money that's being put out there. I mean, so much money, and it's ridiculous that um, that the NFL would even consider that i mean i i have no uh i don't i just i just don't think that that's a that that's something that the nfl would intentionally try to do i mean um and i can see I that i can totally see that like I, I again i'm not saying that they're going out of their way to totally screw the raiders or whatever like that but i'm just saying that they're not going out of their way to do them any favors either you know what i'm saying like they're not going to look at the schedule and be like hey you know what the raiders won't play on the dirt except for one game out of the season Oh, hey, we're gonna make that happen. I don't think that they're even gonna think about that. If it if it shakes out that way, cool. If it doesn't shake out that way, that's fine too. Because hey, that's where they're playing at. So I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't think that they're ever gonna go out of their way to do the Raiders a favor. And you know, there's there's certain stipulations that Mark has agreed to that even when he did it, I didn't agree to. Like when he was trying to get the stadium in Carson with the Chargers, and he wasn't gonna take the Al Davis flame with them. That really pissed me off. As a Raider fan, that really pissed me off because Al Davis is the Raiders, and I get it. Mark Davis has taken this team to a different level, and he's brought it out of the the, the shell that it was in when Al died. And uh, rest in peace, Al. But he's still Al. You know what I mean? He's still Al Davis. He's still the Raiders. So when that was one of the things that he agreed to doing, I thought that was terrible. Now, I love the fact that he's taking it to Vegas with him, and he's going to make it happen. And I love the fact that the, the NFL owners have approved him to be in his own market instead of even sharing the market with the Rams. I, I love that. Even though a lot of Raider fans were pissed at first, like, wait a minute. If anything, go to L.A. because we already run that market. But I like it. Hey, you could have your own market in Vegas and do your own thing. And what sounds better in Vegas than a Raider anyway? You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay with that. So I have no beef with that. But there's certain things. And, and that playing out of, out of state thing, 
or out of the country thing i mean it's three years in a row and they've all been home games that's what's bothered me about that as well they've all been home games so the fans in oakland have had seven games three years in a row they had mexico city they had to go to they went to london last year and they're going to go to london this year and every single time they go and i think they went to mexico city the year before didn't they was it four years in a row or is it just three or maybe it may be it may be four because they beat the texans they beat the texans in mexico city they lost to the patriots in mexico city they got smoked by the, the seahawks last year and now yeah it's gonna be four years in a row and they're all home games that's what bothers me is that they're all home games let's let i mean again like you said let one be a road game i'd be okay with that but they're all home games but don't you think that maybe mark that's mark helping the nfl grow its brand internationally and that's how you take one of the strongest brands in all of the nfl and all the professional sports you put them in london you put them in mexico city and you're helping grow not just the raider brand but also the nfl brand i mean i think that's kind of a uh Good job, Mark. It's actually kind of a very coy way of getting business done and working with the NFL, if you ask me. No, I agree. I agree with that. I just don't like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's, not that I, it's not that I'm saying it's bad business. I just don't like it. You know, I don't like it as a fan. I mean, it's one thing to look at it if you're not a fan and say, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But if you're a fan that used to go regularly to the Oakland Coliseum and see the, 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 the team play all the time, you don't like it. I don't like it. And I don't like them going to London because they don't never go to London and win. They go to London and get smoked. Remember, Dennis Allen got fired after London. We all remember what happened when Jack Del Rio went to London. And we all remember last year in London. I mean, it's just London is a terrible place for the Raiders to play, even though there's a lot of fans there. And that's just coming from a fan. Well, I'll say the first, well, at least with Dennis Allen, nobody mind really minded Dennis Allen getting fired. No. With Jack, again, I'm kind of, again, I know Jack a little bit since my brother played for him in Jacksonville and, and whatnot, and Jack has always been very fair, so I'm not going to say anything negative about Jack, and then last year, yeah, it was it was, it was was hard to watch. Very um, hard. But, hey, now we talked, you, you brought, you, we brought up, um, I brought up Nick Akers earlier, and he had a really, really good piece in the RJ today. It's about Southwest, Southwest Airlines, um, and I heard this going into the, the Santa, this college football season, uh, with UNLV, um, there is Southwest is looking to expand their flights from Vegas to Hawaii, um, which I'm all about because I mean a $900 flight to go to Hawaii um, or whatever it is is ridiculous. I've never been, so for me, like I want to, I want to if I can fly Southwest there, I'm with it. Um, but in there, um, Mick asked their CEO whether or not they're going to be in for the naming rights for the stadium in Las Vegas. Um, he said, never say never, but we are basically, um, uh, we're not going to put our whole marketing budget into naming rights, even though it would be great. Uh, they love the stadium being in the market and what it's going to do for the market. But don't look for Southwest Airlines. Don't look for it to be the Southwest uh, Stadium in Las Vegas. Basically, that's what's being told. Right, and that, that to me kind of blew my mind a little bit only because I know that the Raiders have been very familiar with Southwest, and I thought that Southwest would be a, you know, a, a, a place that would, an entity that would want to get in bed with the Raiders and, you know, and, and with the stadium and everything and uh, all the different features that they could have going into Vegas and leaving Vegas. Uh, I just thought that Southwest could take that and run, so it kind of surprised me, but at the end of the day, I don't think there's going to be a shortage of, of different uh, organizations that want to be a part of the Raiders and want to be a part of that stadium, so I'm not worried about it but i will say it kind of surprised me as much as we talk about the raiders and southwest airlines and all that good stuff that they're not you know they're not in on that but hey maybe they're getting that allegiant money maybe maybe allegiance gonna go oh, and, no. and get that 40 dollars flight from vegas to uh to fresno and get that special you know what i mean hey that is hey hey look 
I'm gonna go lie. I take that flight quite often. Yep. As you know, and my son does I'm gonna too. Say this. <laughs> hey, Allegiant has never done me dirty. Right. Allegiant has done me right all the time. I've never missed. I've never had a a, a delay. I'm, they've I've always sat where I'm supposed to sit. They've always treated me right. Um, the flight. They've they've even adjusted tickets when they you know they're it's a one time thing and they've turned around and done it on multiple occasions for me because I had to extend stays. It was it, they've been, they've Allegiant done me right, um, but then I, ironically I flew out of LAX to to Vegas last month uh, for a turnaround trip because I had I had some business I was taking care of down in Southern California and I flew on American Airlines. Oh yeah, you can tell there's a complete difference. I was like, really, this is what a big time airline feels like. <laughs> it's been a long time since I flew one of these. Man, I got leg room and a TV right. in front of me, and it's free. I'm with that. <laughs> right, right. Well, look, look uh, I, hey, I know. Last time I was in Vegas and I flew my son into Vegas for Fresno, he got on that Allegiant flight and he was like, it was cool, Dad. I, I ain't mad at it. It was quick. It was fast. It was easy. I'm good with it. So, yeah, I'm definitely not knocking uh, Allegiant and it didn't cost me a whole lot. So, I appreciate them. Okay. So, I would, I would say this. When it comes to the stadium, my gut feeling, keep an eye on Caesars Entertainment. Yep. I think Mark Davis did something with them recently. Um, I think C's, and I, I don't think MGM is going to get win the naming rights. Obviously, Southwest, um, maybe you know Bank of America, but there's already a Bank of America stadium down in Carolina. Right. Uh, but Caesars, they called it. You know, I think that'd be like they can't call it the Coliseum, but you could play off of that that name uh, being that you know Julius Caesar Roman times. I think that'd be something that'd be pretty cool. If I was if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would put my money on Caesars as, as the the people to keep an eye on that, that would probably end up getting the naming rights to the Las Vegas Stadium. I'm with you. I, I think that that's a, a real possibility. I know the other day that the NFL actually put something out about Caesars, and so as soon as I saw that, I felt like okay, that's going to have a lot to do with that that stadium in Vegas. I don't know exactly the details on it, but I know that they're already in communication and in talks with the NFL so I mean it makes all the sense in the world and I like your idea I hadn't even thought about that about some kind of play off the Coliseum that would be that would be almost genius uh, I don't know if I want to give them that much credit and say genius but it'd be pretty close you know what I mean so yeah that that uh that makes a lot of sense to me and uh all we have to do now is just wait and see how it shakes out but again like I said it's not going to be any kind of shortage on sponsorships for that stadium I mean, because that stadium is going to be awesome for everyone that has gone by that stadium anyone has checked that stadium out i've had so many people hit me up and said man this thing is coming along it looks really really good uh you know i, I keep seeing like uh, overhead views of it the the drones that go by and and then they put those uh those pictures out and everything and obviously you're there so you get to see it all the time but it, it's going to be something special so i don't think there'll be any kind of sponsorship uh, shortage when it comes to that stadium and comes to the raiders being in vegas and I'll say this uh, before before we, we get off this subject and take a quick break. Someone was comparing Los Angeles Stadium and how far along they've been compared to the Las Vegas Stadium. Oh, they opened up the same year. What people tend to forget is the LA Stadium. They started. They broke ground a year ahead of yep. the Las Vegas Stadium. Mm -hmm. And that's the even though when that stadium is done, the development is not done because you still have the NFL Network Studios, the the mall that's going to be there, all the the ancillary businesses that's going to surround it that that is still far from being done so i fully expect i fully expect the um 
I mean, the same is going to be done by July of 2020. I mean, I've, I've talked to Tommy White about this at length. And Tommy has been very vocal. Like, it's going to be done by July of 2020. And keep in mind, too, if they get the stadium built sooner, people get more money. That's less money they put in. There's, like, kickbacks. So they're trying to get it done sooner as well. So let's not make any mistakes about that. Um, but after we take this quick break, we're going to come back and get into draft talk. And we're going to talk about quarterbacks and receivers. We're going to tell you who, who we like, who we don't like, and some names to watch for the Raiders to potentially look to draft come draft time in April. You're listening to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Rigo right here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and me, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. Hey, if you haven't already checked it out, Spitting Silver and Black with Anaya, Kaylin, and Addison. They put their show out last night, which was a Tuesday night um, on the 12th. It's a cool show. It's only about 30 minutes. Uh, it's their very first show. Um, the youngsters did their thing. They talk about the Raiders' legacy, uh, how what it means to the city of Las Vegas, and a little bit more. Uh, and then you got Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter, uh, the Silver and Black Turf show. Uh, that'll be coming down pipe this week. Uh, they're finishing up editing the show and, and getting that done. So uh, things are getting full, you know, going full speed right now for us. And it's draft time. Speaking of going full speed, Q, it's arguably my favorite time of the year for the NFL. Like growing up. Um, my birthday's in April, and every year, um, up until they started moving dates around, the NFL held their draft my birthday weekend. Uh, my birthday's April 18th, so it was always like that Saturday, Sunday. It used to be that Sunday, Monday. Yep. And I always would get sick on that Monday. Then it went to Saturday, Sunday, and then they obviously expanded it to uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday now. So um, now it's the final weekend in April. I want to say it's the 24th this year. 25th. I think that's number 25th. 25th, okay. Yep. So, so and, and the Raiders hold three picks. And there's a lot of speculation on whether or not uh, they'll use one of those picks, especially the early pick, on a quarterback. My gut feeling is, is real simple. Unless someone overwhelms them with a quarterback, with, I mean, with draft picks and an offer for Derek Carr, he's a starting quarterback next year in Oakland. I don't think there's... Any any debate? If you, if you want, if you want a reason why, go look at the starting quarterbacks for the Denver Broncos since John Elway left, and look at who he's brought in since he's been there as the president of football operations. Okay, you don't trade away a franchise caliber quarterback for anything um, unless you're getting a Herschel Walker type deal. Um, and at the end of the day, um, a guy like Kyler, you know, Kyler Murray. He's not. I don't think he's that guy at number four. I mean, he's he's two hundred and five pounds, and he's probably five ten. We'll we'll say five nine and seven eighths ish. And I just don't think he's the guy. Can can he make throws? Yes. Can he be electric with the ball in his hands? Absolutely. I just don't think he's that guy. Dwayne Haskins again. You know him, and I think the Devin in the watch is Daniel Jones. 
um, Drew Locke as well. But I don't think Gruden's going to want to have to bring in a rookie quarterback to hinder his offense for another year. I, I don't think that's the case at number four. Nonetheless, we still need to talk about these quarterbacks. Um, what are your thoughts on, for, before we get into that, do you think, and what's your gut, what's your gut as, you know, first of all, as someone that's in sports broadcasting, but also as a Raider fan, what's your gut about Carr and the Raiders going forward? I mean, I've been saying it for a long time that I feel like Derek Carr has 2019 to prove himself. I mean, I, I really do. And this is from a guy that wants Carr to succeed. I mean, I really do. I like Derek Carr. I think he could be the franchise quarterback. What we saw from him in 2016 was awesome. It was MVP type until he broke his leg at the game that I was at at the Coliseum against the Colts. It was on Christmas Eve. It drove me crazy. I get it. He hasn't been that same dude yet since then, but... He showed some signs in 2018. Now, I mean, did he have a great season? No, but he did show signs at times. So I'm thinking second year in his system, which is the same time as he was succeeding in Bill Musgrave's system. It was the second year in Musgrave's system, and that's when he had his stellar season in 2016. So I'm giving him 2019 and believe that this is his opportunity to go out and show what he's got and show that he could be the man moving forward and he could lead the team into Vegas. But I will say that he's going to have to put up some good numbers. He's going to have to get some big W's in 2019. I mean, you can put up all the stats you want, but ultimately, W's are what matter. And if you go and look at his career win-loss, not saying it's all on him because football is a very tough game. It takes 11 on offense and 11 on defense and 11 on special teams. And I mean, it takes a lot to win football games. So it's not all on him. But ultimately, when you won, you're the franchise quarterback. You make the money he makes. It's all going to be on you. What's the win-loss record? His win-loss record right now does not look good. So he's got to go ahead and take that next step in 2019 and show that it's his team. Do I do I rule out the Raiders taking a quarterback in, in this upcoming draft? to sit behind him no I don't uh and really to be honest if it's going to be anybody I think the only guy and this is right now it's early you mentioned earlier the date that we're recording this is February 13th it's very very early the combine hasn't even hit but if I had to say one guy that they would have and they would draft to sit behind Derek Carr for at least one year and make sure that he could he could be that guy it would only be Kyler Murray in my opinion see I disagree with that Ed and I think it'd be Haskins I think Dwayne Haskins is he's QB one in this in this uh in this draft. Um I love his size. I love the fact that he's a football you know, the guy understands football. He redshirted, he when he redshirted he learned a lot. Look, J T Barrett may not have done anything at the at the NFL level or if he's in the CFL, um, the American Alliance of Football Hell, NIFL, National Indoor Football League, I don't care where he is. But J.T. Barrett was a tremendous leader and understood the preparation part of football. And Haskins, who I call Simba, Simba is that same type of guy. Um, he's got a cannon for an arm. Is he mobile? He can get out and run, but he's not a scrambling quarterback. Right. Stephen A., I'm sorry for, <laughs> for taking a dig at you there, but brother, like I'm just being real. It's honest. Um, he, yeah. He he's, he and he steps up in the pocket, and he made the right decision leaving. And the fact that I think, like a man, not a Manziel, um, a, a Dalton, um, Dalton Baker, uh, or Baker Mayfield. When I say Dalton Baker, that's a UNLV, a Baker Mayfield. <laughs> um, 
Baker Mayfield, I think, is the exception to the rule. Um, Drew Brees is the exception to the rule. Doug Flutie, who's more like Kyler Murray, I think that's the type of career you'll get. Not to say Kyler Murray is going to have a, a bad NFL career, but what I'm saying is he's a guy that um, he's a guy that uh, I, I think it, it's not even his height; it's his frame. He's just not thick. I agree. And and I agree. And, and, and I, when you got a guy, let's say hell, let's take a D Ford or a Von Miller or a Bradley Chubb bearing down on you. You know, and you're 205 pounds, 200, you're going to get lit up. I mean, there's a reason why quarterbacks now are 220. You know, unless you're unless you're Lamar Jackson, who still puts a, carries a pretty decent weight, is and he's four inches taller than than Kyler Murray. I, I just have I have issues with Murray. Um, I think, and and I, and I would agree that I could see them taking a quarterback, just not in the first round. I could see them second round maybe if a Drew Locke was there, um, maybe a Will Greer, one of those. But I don't, I don't think they're going to take somebody early. I, I don't know. There's, it doesn't. There's too many knees at other places. No, I agree. Than I, there. I, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And believe me, I was 100 percent against them taking any quarterback, and don't think that they're going to take a quarterback in this draft. The only exception would be, like I said, Kyler Murray. And the thing about him, the one trait that you didn't talk about that Kyler Murray has that a lot of quarterbacks don't have, he's a born winner. He is an yeah. absolute winner. And there's some things that you can't teach, and winning is one of them. This dude, I mean, I'm in Texas. This dude went to Allen High School and went 40 and 0 as a starting quarterback. 40 and 0 as a starting quarterback. Then he went to college and I said, "He can't do it. He's too little. His frame's not big enough. He's not tall enough. He's going to get killed." And then he only went and led the team, oh, his second D1 team, by the way, led them to the playoffs, play against Alabama. If they got off to a better start, they might have won that game. And he he oh goes into the playoffs and wins the Heisman Trophy and then decides, "You know what? I know I got this baseball money on the on the on, on on the plate on my table i'm just gonna go ahead and pass that up and i'm gonna go play in the nfl again i have a lot of questions about him and we're gonna learn a lot about him at the combine that's why i put that out there that this is only february 13th the combine is not hit yet right now i've heard in socks he's five nine and seven eighths and i heard he's like 195 pounds maybe 200 i think he's 205 today but I mean that's putting on a lot of weight. Can he can he keep that? Can he sustain that? That's a that's dog. There's so many questions I have with Kyler Murray, but I think that John Gruden would be the kind of guy that is intrigued by him. That's the only reason why I say that. He mentioned him at the Senior Bowl, and I know John Gruden's in. He's in everybody. I get that. He always talks to everybody. He'll talk me and you up if if you give him the chance. I get that. But man, <laughs> if he has the opportunity to get this guy, and he feels like you know what, this dude is going to give me the winning traits. Oh, and by the way, I can I can debut him going into Vegas, and wow, what a splash that would be and make my team even that much more sexy. I, I could see him doing it. Not saying that it's going to happen, but if they're going to grab a quarterback, I could see them, I, just gut feeling again, I could see them going after Kyler. But the only problem with that is, in my opinion, they'd have to grab him early, like number four overall, where I wouldn't be okay with that. I'd much rather take him at number 27 overall, but I don't think he's going to be there in the draft at number 27. I think at four they go a different direction. I actually think unless the guy they absolutely love is there, I could see them trading back because now with with Murray announcing he's staying in the draft, with Haskins, uh, with the Drew Locke, who I think is gonna, um, who I think is gonna blow up uh, Daniel Jones. I think there could be four first round quarterbacks 
in this draft. And a team like Oakland at four, Green Bay at 12, those are two teams that are, are you really need to keep an eye on that can move back and accumulate more picks, especially if a quarter if two quarterbacks go in the top ten, even top five. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're going to see something like like uh, you brought up. We brought up Murray and in Arizona Cardinals. You know, you know people are trying to connect dots because his agent is the same agent as Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury said he would take him first overall when he was still coaching at Texas Tech. Okay, it's not happening. Okay, first of all. They drafted Josh Rosen, and everybody knows I'm a SC guy. And I think Sam Darnold is going to be the truth. But Rosen, when it's all said and done to me, even though I don't like his attitude and he doesn't have that winning, I think he's going to put up huge numbers, big-time numbers to be a very, very good pro. So there's no – but Arizona now, they can trade back because you may have a team like a Jacksonville or the Giants that say, hey, we want to move up and get our guy. You know, look at how much the Bears paid him for Trubisky. And this is the same type of uh, – this isn't even close to that type of quarterback coach, that class. you you got one or two guys that you really, really like, and then there's guys that you're like, uh, right. the rest of this, this draft. And there was – you know, I mean, they, they passed up on Mahomes. You know, they passed up on, on, on straight ballers, Deshaun uh, Watson. You know, they took Trubisky. They paid the King's Ransom for that, too. I, don't, I think the Raiders could kind of benefit from that and move back and still get a guy that they really like two or three spots later, maybe pick up a first-round pick next year and a second-round pick this year. I mean, if that was the case, then you, again, you go into next year with three new first-round picks right. when the draft is in Las Vegas. Like, to me, that's, that's damn near genius. No, you're right, and that's what I'm hoping that happens. I mean, I love the position they're in, being at number four, and now with Kyler Murray being in the draft, I think that that really adds another element to teams that need a quarterback. And again, the quarterback class, in my opinion, you just said it yourself, is weak. So uh, I think that, yeah, there's going to be teams that are going to be desperate. There may be a team that's desperate and say, hey, we'll give you this for Derek Carr. I don't think that that's going to happen. Again, I think he's going to be the Raiders' starting quarterback in 2019. Gut feeling. It's all I ever roll with. But that's just, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, man. You don't know who's going to be on the other end of that phone when they call and you don't know what they're calling about. So, I mean, it's that's what makes this so intriguing. And that's why this draft, I've been to drafts. You know, I've been to many NFL drafts. I'll be at this one in Nashville. I'm so excited about it because there's so many different things that could happen. Look, it's February 13th and there's already been a veteran quarterback traded. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's already been a veteran quarterback traded. The league year don't even start for another month. But one guy's already on his way out. I mean, Joe Flacco's out of Baltimore. He's headed to Denver. That's a win for the Raiders, in my opinion. But, hey, that's another st- subject. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited. Good, hey, good for you, John Elway. I am love that you did that. But, that's I mean, that's a whole other story. So this, why, this, this draft is going to be so exciting, my man. It's like there's so many different directions that everyone could go. The Raiders have so many holes that they almost can't miss, except for the fact that you can miss. So when you have three picks you, you got to get it right if you know what i mean if you're gonna do it and build your team you better get it right and that's a lot of that's on mike mayock a ton of that's on john gruden they've got to figure it out they've got to get it right and whatever moves they make they better make it the right move okay so if we're going to focus on quarterbacks before we get into receivers who's the one quarterback besides Kyler murray which you said in your opinion to you outside of murray who's the quarterback that really fits what John Gruden wants to do offensively um, in terms of of long-term projecting out of this class. I mean, maybe Daniel Jones. 
maybe. You know what I mean? And that's and that's because he's he's big, he's got a big arm, and he can keep plays alive with his legs. I'm not saying he's going to run around and get a whole bunch of yards, but he can also, you know, he can pick up some yards and he can keep plays alive. He can extend them with his legs. And that's really it, man. I look at this 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 class. I mean, I know Dwayne Haskins could be that dude. You gave all the reasons why he could be a, a really good quarterback, but I'm just not a, a, a super believer in him only because it was one year. And, you know, and that's fine, even though he, he sat behind JT Barrett, like you mentioned, but I don't know, man. I just had a I have a, a, a struggle thinking that he's going to be the dude. Uh, I, I don't know. I start getting some flashbacks of like Cardell Jones and you know other guys, and I know they're totally different guys, and that's very wrong of me to say that. But it's just it's just the gut feeling I get when I see those guys, and so I, I'm I'm just not sold on them. Uh, but uh, Kyler Murray is is QB one in my in my view, and if you're looking at a guy that. John Gruden may be able to get later on and just sit behind Derek Carr just in case he needs to, like in case of emergency break glass, I would say Daniel Jones. Now, I've said this from the beginning. If Haskins isn't taken uh, in the first five picks, I don't think he's going to be the first quarterback taken. I think it's going to be Daniel Jones, and I think it's going to it's going to be to the Giants. Okay, I thought um, Haskins was going to go to the Giants. That that was my gut feeling that the, the Giants are going to take Haskins. Well, see here here's my reasoning why Jones, college coach David Cutcliffe, was Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator at Tennessee and the head coach at Ole Miss when Eli was there. He Daniel Jones when Eli would have receivers come down to uh, Duke University. He would sit in on the quarterback meetings. He has a relationship already. So he would, the torch being passed wouldn't be an issue as much between Eli to Jones, considering there's, there's a relationship and a friendship there. And Cutcliffe swears by Jones. He was a four star quarterback coming out of high school. I believe he turned down USC to go to, to Duke and a bunch of other big time schools. So he was a dude coming out to go down and people were like, what? And Cutcliffe really, you know, pulled one over on everybody. But I think cause because of that relationship and then Haskins to, like, Jacksonville, I think that would be – that's where you start seeing the, the run. That's why I think you're going to – unless somebody really likes – I mean, Jones may blow everybody away at the combine, and they go in and look at three years of tape from Jones versus a year in – well, he played a little bit last year too, but a year and a half in, in a year and change of games with Haskins um, – I think I think that they, that's where the Raiders again come into play, um, but I would agree with Jones. But I'm, I'm going to take a different approach. I really think Drew Locke from Missouri would be a guy that Gruden really um, takes a hard look at, especially late in the first round or maybe in the second round. He's a guy that just is a football junkie. He loves football, studies tape, picked up the playbook very quickly at the Senior Bowl, according to people that I know. That were down there. They really, there was like a like almost like a grinder type attitude, and Gruden, you know, Gruden grinders. He loves right. the grinders. Yeah, I think I think that that could be a guy to keep an eye on if he's around in the second round. You know, round two, and if let's say the Raiders do trade back a couple, add a second round pick. You know, to get him, what pick thirty six or thirty eight, whatever yeah. thirty seven. They got thirty five right now. Okay, so 35, that wouldn't be, you know, then you could come back at like say 37 and get another player that you traded. That could be the way they go, and they can have that quarterback for, for four, you know, now you got your guy you could have behind car, you can trust, you can groom, and if, if something were to happen to Derek, uh, like it happened you know, two years ago and whatnot, three years ago, um, it would be for the best. You have your guy that now you can 
when you if you do move on, you have your guy that knows the offense. Just get in and, and let's go. Well, they need a, a backup quarterback for sure. I mean, they d- definitely need to address that. I don't think A.J. McCarron's going to be the guy. Uh, obviously, Connor Cook was the dude for a while, and then all of a sudden they released him, and, I mean, hell, he's not even in the league anymore. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it, they don't have a legit backup dude. So, I mean, I could see them going and getting a, a backup, especially if they have uh, an extra pick. Like you're mentioning, if they if they were having to trade back and they get an extra pick, I could totally see that. But uh, I just don't think that with their needs and, and with their concerns right now that – quarterback should be priority unless they got their eye on someone that they're just like oh my god I gotta have him and if that's the case they're not gonna say that for a guy that they plan on making a backup or just in case you know break glass guy they're looking at him as the future dude so that's why I said that I feel like if they really go after somebody they might go after Kyler if for some dumb reason that that John Gruden falls in love with them and again I have a lot of questions behind Kyler Murray I I, I've been doubting him every step of the way, and every step of the way he's proven me wrong, and I have no problem saying that. But uh, and this is the NFL is another is a whole another beast, you know what I mean? So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I thought he made a mistake by passing up baseball. I thought that that was where his his real future was going to lie, and he was going to uh, really make his his big money there. But hey, look, if he's turned into a first round draft pick, he's going to make more money uh, immediately than he would make you know in the first four, five, six, maybe even seven years in baseball. So I totally get it, but. I still have a lot of questions, but I, I can see John Gruden and Mike Mayock just getting almost infatuated with the dude and saying, you know what, we got to have this guy because, well, we don't want to be the team that passed up this guy. Yeah, I, I get that, but I also think when when Mike Mayock says quarterback is the least of my concerns, he's basically telling people we're not taking a quarterback. Agreed. We can talk about it now. We're going to blow smoke up everybody's ass and tell them that we're still going to look at a quarterback. But we all know that we're not going to look at a quarterback the same way a team uh, that the Browns aren't going to look at a quarterback or Green Bay's not going to look at a quarterback or Chicago. You know, we got our guy. We're locked in. It's not going to be um, we're picking where we're at and we're going to end up taking a guy. I, 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 he pretty much said it to me. But speaking of – and let's talk about big guys. Did you see the picture – of Mississippi receiver D.K. Metcalf. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, David Boston was Dude. like, damn, you're big. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, Dave, if you guys don't know who David Boston is, if you're young, go Google David Boston, Arizona Cardinals. He was probably the, the most – he was the biggest wide receiver I have ever seen. D.K. Metcalf may have just taken over David Boston. And and it is a, and um, what's my man from Buffalo? Eric Moles is another one yeah. like that, too. Um, but DK Metcalf, six three, two hundred and thirty pounds. He took off. He took a picture again next to a like a five foot ten or eleven DB, and it looked like it was a bodybuilder versus just a regular guy. Like I mean, his arms, his chest, his shoulders. Like to me, it's like is he gonna play tight end? Right. But, I mean, he's freaking huge. Big, big dude. He's he's probably gonna be the first receiver off the board as well I mean when you see that at four is that something that may tempt you taking a big I mean you passed we pass, the Raiders passed up on Megatron at one point you passed up on some big dudes this guy's 6'3 230 runs about in the 4'5 range that's a load to bring down especially in the in the in the, in the AFC West yeah, no, it is, and uh, he's, he's a hell of a uh, wide receiver, and he's a guy that a lot of Raider fans are going to be super excited about and want on their roster, and I do think that in the first round with those three picks, 
uh, if they do and indeed use all three of those picks in the first round, I think that the wide receiver position gets addressed. I just don't know if it gets addressed at number four. I just don't. You know, uh, DK Metcalf is a guy I've seen mocked to the Raiders a few times. Uh, I've seen Nikhil Harry get mocked there a few times. I've seen uh, Hollywood Brown get mocked there a few times. I mean, there's a there's a, a handful of wide receivers I've seen mocked to the Raiders and you know and and like I said DK Metcalf is one of them and I do believe he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board like you mentioned I just don't know if the Raiders are going to go ahead and pull the trigger on him that early at number four and I'm not sure when the first wide receiver will fall off but I think if they stay pat at number four and they're not going after Kyler Murray which again I mean that's that's kind of like the Joker it's the Joker wild at that position you just really don't know but if they don't go after him I think that they probably go defense uh, with that first pick but at some point in that first round that wide receiver position definitely will be addressed uh, I know Cliff Branch is going down to the the combine with John yes. Gruden just to look for uh, uh, wide receivers that could take the top off the defense and everything I think that one that's really cool and two that shows the need that they know that they need a big time wide receiver that can that can get deep on on uh, on on different defensive backs because look Derek Carr never checked the ball down deep at all at all in 2018. I mean, it's all been checkdowns. He, he never he never let it loose. So he's got to do that in 2019. Uh, that's something that John Gruden's going to focus on, and so they got to go find that dude. So uh, they'll fall in love with somebody probably at the combine. We'll see all those drills, the underwear Olympics. I, I always like watching them, but you have to realize that there's not really – there's no contact, there's no pads. I mean, it's sometimes it's deceiving what you're going to see out there. But, uh, yeah, DK Metcalf, I could totally see the Raiders going and getting him. I just don't know if they're going to do it at number four. I, I don't think they take a receiver at four. Um, I like a guy later in round one, and the guy, and there's a guy I love in round three, and I'll get to him in a second. But Paris Campbell from Ohio State, okay, four th- four three guy, over six foot, about two hundred and ten pounds, made big plays for Ohio State all year. I mean, he had one, he had a one handed catch. I watched on a Saturday where the ball was kind of behind him, and I'm not sure if it was Tate Martello through or it was Haskins. It was still at the perfect spot. But he just kind of had things like he basically like one handed it, like just and just like ODB when or OBJ when he when he caught the ball against Carr, like catch yeah, going backwards yeah. to the end zone, kind of similar to that, but caught it and like broke it off for like twenty yards in a score, like literally just outran the defender. Um, he's a guy that again he's bigger, he can play the outside, um, which will take the top off. He can play the slot, but the receiver and 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 folks write this name down. I'm telling you, this is going to be the guy in this class that people will be like, how did people pass on him early in the draft? And I watched him play in person uh, three times this year. Did he? Does he play in the 5-5-9? Five, five, no. Okay. Yeah, he does. Oh, I got it. I, Sean, I didn't know who it is. He's John Johnson. Yep. He's John Johnson. No relation to... To throw me the damn ball, USC fight on Keyshawn Johnson. Right, but Keyshawn Johnson went to the same high school as Devontae Adams, broke all his records, went to Fresno State like Adams. They're like brothers. Uh, I know Green Bay people and fans really like him a lot too, because because of the Adams connection. But if you're a Raider, I would even consider round two, early in round two, he may be my guy. This guy is a number one receiver, and. Um, Rob Rain, um, who I've done plenty of stuff with uh, in the past, um, he's got him late. I mean, like, I'm looking like he's got him going round. Where does he have right here? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up. I'm looking at round five right now, and he doesn't have him going there. 
uh, where's he at? Right here, round six. There's wow. no way Keyshawn. There's no way he's going round six. This dude, six one, two oh five, runs a four five. He he's a guy that when the ball is in his hands, he just gets run out to catch. His rack yards are crazy. He doesn't drop balls. He runs great routes. He's a willing blocker. He runs the route tree. Intelligent. He's a dude. He put it on when they played Arizona State. There were times where I mean they went the other way, but he's wide open on routes. Like literally, DB's getting turned around. I'm and I'm at the game watching this, and I'm watching his specifically because I watched him play UNLV and I watched him play um, Hawaii um, when I was out in Fresno watching that game, and he was putting DBs on skates. This dude is. He is a legit receiver that's gonna that somebody's gonna draft, and I think Oakland would be an ideal spot for him. No, I agree, and it's funny. That's why I said, "Hey, does he play in the five five nine? Because uh, Keyshawn Johnson is a dude. I mean, he absolutely is a dude, and I love the way he catches the ball with his hands. I mean, I love the fact yep. that he does not let the ball get into his body. He just absolutely goes and gets it. I think that that's awesome, and I'm so glad that we're on the same page with that one because man, he is an absolute. Dude, there's things he does with his hands that are ridiculous, you know. And he, I mean, he actually does it at different levels. You know, if the ball is going to be over his head or or high, he'll catch the ball in a different style. I mean, he just he's a professional uh, wide receiver. You know, he he can catch the ball. He's a professional catcher of the ball. It's just certain guys that they kind of fight the ball. He does not fight the ball. He, yeah, I'm man. It's so funny that you mentioned that. He is definitely one of the dudes. I mean, he is an absolute. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the best wide receivers. He might, I'm, and this is a lot of pressure to put on him, he might turn into being uh, similar to what Juju Smith-Schuster was. You know, he was a guy oh, that yeah. dropped to the second yep. round, but clearly was the best wide receiver in the class. You know what I mean? And I don't know why people slept on him, but you could just tell by what he does, the way he runs routes, the way he catches the ball, the way he gets those yak yards that you mentioned, that he was going to be the dude, and he ended up being the guy. And now look at Antonio Brown. I mean, there's a situation where he may be out in Pittsburgh, and if, if they didn't have Juju, he wouldn't be out at all. They wouldn't even be thinking about him leaving, you know, and who knows if they do or not. But still, uh, it wouldn't even be a question if they didn't have Juju. But since they do, they're thinking, hmm, we got a younger dude. We got a guy who probably is faster at this point, and he's less headache. Or actually, he's no headache. So, yeah, let's go ahead and move on from him. And so, uh, yeah, man, Keyshawn Johnson is a guy that I really do have my eye on. So I'm very interested to see where he goes in this draft. There's there's every year I get there's two or three draft crushes that I get. You know, uh, Jair Alexander was one last year. Uh, Derwin James was one last year for me. Um, this year, uh, Keyshawn Johnson is my big draft crush. I, I, I know where I want him to go. I want him to go to one or two places. I, cause I think I think that highly of him. Um, another guy who I had, a, who I have a draft crush on, and we'll get to Antonio Brown in a minute. But let's talk about his cousin Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, I think he's the best slot receiver in this class. Um, but I do have a question. Um, I know he came back and played um, the Alabama game uh, with injury, you know, coming off an injury. Right. But to me, he had no catches. And he dropped like four or five balls. And this was in front of his friends and family. To me, there's a, a slight red flag with that because – it's not like Murray was putting them. I mean, he threw some bad balls, but he threw some very, very 
uh, catchable balls. And he, he dropped them. This is a guy, when the ball is in his hands, there may not be a more electrifying receiver in this class than, than Hollywood Brown, who went to College of the Canyons and Oklahoma offered literally like the Thursday before National Signing Day two years ago when they got him to come. Um, and he was the guy that was going to go to a smaller school. Um, he's also only about 170 pounds. Um, at 5'10", he's got to add some weight. And if he does, is he going to lose speed? I don't think so. But Never know. Yeah, you, you never know. I kind of question, but the, oh, that, that Alabama game kind of made me go, ah, right. you know what? You know, he's just not running through the Big 12 where you really don't have anybody playing defense. No, I agree. I, I and believe me, being in Big Twelve country, I know that uh, you know he was a monster, but he's just inconsistent. I think that's the best word for uh, for Hollywood Brown. He's just inconsistent. And I will say the other thing that kind of bothers me, and I know it's 2019, and I'm probably showing my age now, but uh, when a young man has a name Hollywood already, uh, I think that it's, there, there's somewhat of a problem, especially knowing uh, Antonio Brown and knowing that they're related, and thinking that oh man, maybe he's seeing and picking up the the traits of his his big cousin or whatever. I I don't, I don't know, man. He kind of scares me. He's he's very inconsistent as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he he can get injured, and when he gets injured, he, he went like he came back in the Alabama game. Just doesn't seem like he's 100 percent or fully engaged. Uh, the Raiders don't need a guy who's not 100 percent fully engaged all the time. They had that guy. He plays in Dallas now. You know, what I mean, they need a guy who's locked in, who's going to be there all the time, wants to be there all the time, lets you know he's there all the time. Not necessarily saying it in a disrespectful way, but lets you know that he's there and he's available all the time. They need a real. WR1, wide receiver one. That's who they really need, and I don't know if Hollywood Brown could be that guy. I'll say this. I would, I'm would. i leery of him because do you know who he reminds me of? I mean, you said you're showing your age, and a name popped in my head that I thought you were going to say, <laughs> and, I lo- and I loved him in college. He arguably, outside of Sterling Sharp and Juju Smith-Schuster, Arguably, is my favorite all-time college-wide receiver. He reminds me of Peter Warwick. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yep. Sim- similar size, yep. similar moves, and then he gets to the NFL, and it just doesn't work. And there was an attitude. I mean, the Dillard's incident would work at FSU, mm-hmm. which cost him the Heisman. Then he comes back and kills Virginia Tech for uh, the national and Michael Vick for the national championship, giving Bobby Bowden his second national title. Um, I really think that he's got a lot of Peter Warwick in him. Um, and what made Antonio Brown early on so gifted was his work. No one out, no one outworked him. And you got to question a little bit. And I've seen, you know, the, the IG videos of Marquise and, and him working out with Antonio and, and talking to some people that, um, I mean, my son lives in Oklahoma and he's a big Hollywood Brown guy and, and he knows some people and he's brought it up like, you know, like he knows who that work out of him. He's dad. He's a hard worker. Um, so my 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 thing is just like, is he going to be a more Antonio early on or Antonio now? Right. If he comes in, because because Antonio's a little bit bigger than him. Um, that that like you know that's the question mark you know that I have and and I I hate to pin what Antonio's going through on Hollywood, but. You know, you have to wonder: Does the apple tree produce the same type of apples? And if so, do they fall far from the tree? 
Exactly. That's what concerns me. That's the one thing that concerns me. And like I said, the consistency. And only because I've seen him a lot. When obviously he's playing in Oklahoma, and I'm I'm in the uh, Big Twelve country. I'm watching him all the time, and so I'm just I'm not seeing the consistency that I want to see. I want to see a guy who's going to be the dude. And again, if they don't get a wide receiver in the first round, which I do think that they're going to go do, uh, I would not be mad if they went and got Keyshawn Johnson and thought, okay, that's going to be our guy. And you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But he looks like a guy that could honestly be the real deal that a lot of people slept on similar to what happened to Antonio Brown when he dropped all the way to what the fifth or sixth round when he was drafted by Pittsburgh I mean he wasn't no first round dude he was a guy that came in with a chip on his shoulder because everyone slept on him and he worked his tail off and like you said he might not have been the most talented dude in the room but he would not be outworked and you know now he is who he is today and he's still a hell of a wide receiver but he just comes with a lot of drama that every team can't afford Okay, so outside of Keyshawn Johnson, who we both agree is our favorite receiver probably in this draft, um, is there a receiver that you, I don't want to say is, is a sleeper, because I, I don't want to sleep with you know, the guys that drafted fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round. You know, I'm talking about a guy that fans may not know a lot about that you're kind of like, I like him. I think he's got a chance. Is there somebody that you have in mind with that? I, I do like Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State. I, I do like him. I like what he did under Herm Edwards this uh, past season. Uh, I think that he's got some some issues that he's got to deal with as well. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like his ceiling is really, really high, and his floor seems like it's it's pretty decent. It's, it's really pretty good. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I kind of like what he does after the ball so that or after the catch. That's one of the guys that I definitely have my eyes on. Uh, but it, it kind of, for me, it's like DK Metcalf, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, and then I would say like Nikhil Harry. But those two guys, Nikhil Harry and, and, and DK Metcalf, are two guys I can see going in the first round. Keyshawn, I can't. The guy I think that is going to make a, some money for himself at the Combine, if you go watch his tape and look at the numbers, he's a guy that can really play. Uh, North Carolina State's Kelvin Harmon. Um, mm-hmm. He's 6'2", about 215. Again, a 4'5 guy. Projected, you know, for late first to second round, maybe maybe early third if, if he slips. Um, the reason why I know about him is I did, a for the first time ever, a fantasy college football league, and you got to get in it this year. I don't do football. And, I don't do fantasy football at all. Dude, you're going to get in this college football. And you set your lineup <laughs> once and go. I mean, that's kind of how it was. But I picked him up in, like, week two. And dude just balled out the entire year for me. I'm like, who's this dude from North Carolina? It's North Carolina State. They haven't had anybody good come out there since Tory Holt. You know? And all of a sudden, dude is, like, balling. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I end up watching, you know, watching them play. I'm like, ooh. So I go back and start watching some some tape on him, and I'm like, yeah, this guy can this guy can really go. Um, I think he's genuinely genuinely a guy that can do some damage and will be a very good pro. And a lot like Tory, hope people are going to say, who the hell? Where did he come from? North Carolina State? Who really, Leo? And and the average fan, the NFL guys, they're going to know um, because they see him. Um, but he's a guy that that I would definitely keep an eye on Samson. He, I like his game a lot. You know, one a other lot, guy I, I like a lot is uh, out of Iowa State, uh, Hakeem Butler. I think he could play too. Yes. 
He's a he's a, he's a dude with some nice size. He got some speed. He got some hands. Uh, he can make things happen after the catch. Uh, yeah, he's another guy that I definitely keep my eye on and say, you know what? This is a dude that you can basically, uh, you know, build build that wide receiving core around. I, I do think he's a real deal player. And again, it's funny he's coming out of the Big 12, so he's gonna have a lot of things to prove because, like you mentioned earlier, the Big 12 doesn't play a lot of defense. But uh, the good thing for him is in 2018, actually more teams in the Big 12 played defense. Texas did, Baylor did, Iowa State did. You know what I mean? TCU played defense so it's starting to trend in that direction where they're starting to play defense but you know obviously teams that like the real deals like the Oklahoma's their defense was awful so you know you can't can't say nothing about that Kansas right Kansas is terrible yeah I mean it's it's like I almost said I I don't know why I always want to include SMU and Houston in the Big 12 but I know they're feels like they are conference yeah it feels like they're right there I mean it's just because they're they're on either side you know I mean they're they're one they're right down the road either way you know what I'm saying? So, Bring back the swag, man. Bring back the swag. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what it might as well be. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the majority of the Big 12 doesn't play defense. But, again, like UT did, Iowa State did, TCU did, and then Baylor uh, started turning the corner, and they did as well. So, uh, besides that, yeah, er everyone else, it it's a question mark as far as defense. West Virginia's lightweight, but not not really. For real. that That's real. Okay, so we, we, we talked about um, Antonio Brown. We brought his name up. What we what we what we're gonna do is make a quick break. We're gonna come back and talk to you about Antonio Brown, and we're gonna bring up some names, uh, free agency wise, and maybe potential trades to keep an eye on uh, for the Raiders. We think that they could be some good fits. Uh, you're listening to Q and A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to Q and A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo. I'm Joe Arrigo. Q, we talked about it briefly. We kind of teased it just a little bit. Antonio Brown, he tweeted out on the 13th, basically like, yo, Pittsburgh, I'm out. Peace, it's been real. And then he had a cryptic tweak like, I'd rather be appreciated than tolerated, something to that effect. Right. Playing off uh, that Kappa Mike Tomlin's quote, like, we'll tolerate him until he's unproductive and then we'll get rid of him. Um so when the noob said that, I was kind of like, dang, why not say that publicly, Mike? You shouldn't have done that. But it's the truth of every NFL team. They'll put up with whatever. I mean, look what Odell Beckham gets away with. And, uh, and he's on the chopping block as well. So you look at, you know, Jay Glazer said his, his prediction uh, was Odell Beckham was going to get traded this offseason. And, 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 and it's going to be the same teams linked to wide receivers yep. this offseason. It's going to be the Raiders. It's going to be the Packers. It's going to be the Cardinals. It's going to be um, the Patriots. There's going to be a bunch of teams that's going to be linked to almost every wide receiver, the Jets. So let's focus on Antonio Brown right now. Now, Randy Moss got traded for a fourth-round pick to the Raiders. Um, or was it a third? No, nah, it was a. Uh, uh, they traded a Randy Moss to the Patriots for a fourth round draft pick. I think the that's Raiders. I think the Raiders gave up a third round pick. Okay, so, and that's a Moss in his prime, coming off years that a lot like Antonio Brown that's unheard of, um, and being that he was six four, two hundred pounds, running a four three. By the way, Randy, happy birthday to you, sir. And he, he's the other one of my all-time favorite college wide receiver. Boo! Don't give him a happy birthday to hell with Randy Moss. Hey, I don't care what anybody says. He still played two years there. He even he he knows he played two years in Oakland. Randy Moss. I'll, okay, look. 
if I'm going in my lifetime, and I look as I say this as someone that roots for the Packers, I, I keep saying that. So I have um, I have unbiased Raider opinion. It killed me when they didn't draft him, and he killed my team for so long. I I couldn't help but just admire the guy. I loved him at Marshall. Randy Moss, outside the greatest receiver of all time, is Jerry Rice. That's the universe. No doubt about. It. No doubt about Sterling, it. I I think Sterling Sharp is closer to Jerry Rice than what people want to give him credit for. Um, what Sharp did with no quarterbacks against double and triple coverage every game with no other receivers. He only had Far for three years, and he put up ungodly numbers. Okay, so I, I think, and at that time, I'll go on, on record as saying during those years. Sterling Sharp was a better receiver than Jerry Rice. I'll say that publicly. I got no problem saying that. But when it comes to pure athletic talent, playing the wide receiver position, Randy Moss, by far, is the best pure talent I've ever seen with my two eyes. Bar none. He was a stud. I'll give you that. He was absolute stud. And uh, I just feel like his, uh, his career got cut too short. You know what I mean? Randy Moss? No, no. I'm talking about Sterling Sharp. Oh, oh! I was talking about Moss saying he was the best receiver ever. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, Sterling Sharp's career was, and I and I'm I'm gonna bang the table for him going to the Hall of Fame until he gets in the Hall of Fame. But that's not even a Raider topic. Raider topic wise, and we talk about Randy Moss, whose birthday it is. And again, happy birthday, Randy! Boo. And Randy, you, Randy, you was a great thirty for thirty. That by was the way, as that well. was no, that was that was. But just yeah, no, you're you're right about Randy. And I mean, he's a hell of a look. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. First ballot Hall of Famer for a reason. Hell of a player. Great player. I just don't like his lackluster play in Oakland. And it was only one year that he really wasn't good. One year, he was a- actually really good. He went over 1,000 yards. But the second year, he was just awful. So I'm just going to re- refer to him as Boo. And I'm not going to acknowledge him. And then, it wouldn't make matters that bad. But the fact that when the Raiders played in Mexico City against uh, the Texans, he was there with Charles Woodson. And he was like, I was never a Raider. I was never a Raider. And he was really adamant about that. So as long as he says he was never a Raider, then I don't have to acknowledge him as a Raider, so I won't. And just to clarify, he was actually traded to the Raiders for Napoleon Harris and the Raiders' first round pick in 2005, and that was the number seven overall pick. And the Vikings turned that into Troy Williamson, which yeah, that didn't work out too well. But uh, and and then also a seventh <laughs> round pick as well. So yeah, the Raiders gave up a, a number one pick overall, seven. I mean that's that's re- very high. And again, his first year, great. I was all excited, but his second year stunk, and he gave up. He quit, and he even said, "Yeah, I'm dropping balls because I'm not happy." Yeah, okay, great, thanks, Randy. And then he went to pay, uh, the Patriots, and we all know what he did after that. So, yeah, I just like to uh, forget that time life in, in, or that time in my life. Okay, well, we'll move on to this time now and talk about Antonio Brown, the real deal, Brown. Now, everybody, you know, and I we brought up Moss in, to double back because people, were you guys got. We brought up Moss because of what he got traded for. Antonio Brown is, I think he's 30 years old right now. Yeah. Um, he's on the back, he's not saying he's on the back end of his career. He's probably got three year, three really good years left mm-hmm. at playing at a high level, um, even though he's in great shape. Um, and maybe, maybe four, but then, you know, he's going to hit that wall. Um, Footwork-wise, he may be, him and Beckham, maybe, the, and, and Devontae Adams, maybe the three best technique wide receivers in the NFL when it just comes to being technicians. Um, uh, slow feet don't eat, so to speak. Um, and he's got fast feet. I don't see him getting traded for nothing more than the third round. Third is being the, the top end 
of them trading someone trading for him. He's not going for a first, and he's not going for a second. Teams aren't going to invest that 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 type of capital in somebody making that much money as well. So the money's also a factor. I could see a third, you know, a mid to late third or an early fourth round pick being for Antonio Brown. And I'm going to say this. If it's a fourth-round pick and I can get Antonio Brown and I'm Mike Mayock and John Gruden, I pull the trigger and I still take a wide receiver early to give Carr as many weapons as he possibly could have. I'm with you, and I don't I don't think that he's going to be uh, sitting around waiting for a fourth-round pick. You know what I mean? I, I think that somebody's going to offer up more in the fourth-round pick. I do think that the Raiders are going to do their due diligence. I, I absolutely believe that they're going to call Pittsburgh and inquire and offer something. And honestly, uh, I could see them. I've seen reports that says that they might not get uh, anything higher than a third-round pick for him. But I honestly believe that if the Raiders can give up number 35 overall, that they're going to do it. You know what I mean? Because John Gruden loves Antonio Brown. He loves it. He said he's the best wide receiver he's seen since Jerry Rice. And you mentioned it. Jerry Rice is the GOAT. Jerry Rice is the best wide receiver ever. And there's some wide receivers that I really, really like. But Jerry Rice is the dude. And John Gruden's very familiar with Jerry Rice. He actually even hit him up when he got the job again with the Raiders. And I think he was halfway joking. But at the same time, I think he might have been halfway serious. You know what I mean? Like... Jerry Rice is the <laughs> dude. So if John Gruden compared him to Jerry Rice, talking about Antonio Brown, I absolutely think that the Raiders are going to call and inquire and they're going to try to get him. I, I I, don't want to give up a first-round draft pick for him. I wouldn't give up a first-round draft pick for him. I do think that the Raiders are going to offer something, and I think it's going to be that, that uh, fourth pick that they have, obviously the first pick in the second round, and that's at number 35. Okay, so would you – and I'll, I'll pose the question to you like this. Antonio Brown for pick 35 or Odell Beckham for pick 27? Oh, I mean, I would do Odell Beckham for pick number 27 all day. I, that's that's a no-brainer, even though he's he's a diva as well. But uh, I just think that uh, he has more upside. He has a longer career. I mean, like you said, Antonio Brown is 30 right now. He's going to be 31 in, I believe, July. And so, uh, you know, he's under contract till 2021. I've also heard that he wants a contract extension. He wants more money, even Ooh. though even though like he's going to get, like, I think, 12 to $14 million this year. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to be on the hook for some money no matter what. Um, but they have different ways to, to kind of get around that, so uh, th- that's okay. But, yeah, I, I think that there's uh, different stipulations that go on with Antonio Brown, but, yeah, if, if Odell Beckham is out there and available, and I don't think he will be, I did see Jay Glazer's, Glazer's report, but, again, like you said, that was his prediction. I, I just think that the Giants would be kind of silly to move on from him, but, I mean, hell, I thought that the Raiders would be silly to move on from Khalil Mack, and, well, we all know where we are right now, so uh, can't can't even speak on that. Things Crazier things have happened, right? So he, he might be on the move, and if, yeah, if he's available at number 27, yeah, hell yeah, I would take uh, I would take him in a heartbeat. I'd run the card up there my damn self. <laughs> I, I would I would agree by taking uh, taking Beckham over uh, Brown because one he's younger, uh, two um, I think him in Vegas would be a hit. I think I think that would be marketing wise. Um, and I think it, but but if if Beckham's not available, I'm not giving up 35 for Antonio Brown. I'll give up the third rounder. I'll give up that early third rounder. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, I wouldn't give up the second rounder um, because he's 30, because he's got that contract, and he's going to want more money. He's already one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL. Like I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give him everything and and kind of get 
kind of get you know get it taken in the ass, so to speak. Right. Like, no. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna do that. I, I don't like it, but I think that they're going to do it. I mean, that that's the difference. Is like I'm not saying that that's what they should do, but I think that they're going to offer it up because John Gruden loves Antonio Brown as much as he does. The other thing about bringing Antonio Brown into the Raiders is I don't know how well that blends with Derek Carr. I really don't. Derek Carr, I like him again. I want him to succeed. But if he's having problems getting the ball to Cooper on the regular basis and Cooper's quiet and doesn't say anything to him and doesn't really, you know, act a fool, what's Antonio Brown going to do on the sideline when he's gone three quarters and hasn't got the rock yet? If that's the case, you know what I mean? Or, or, but see, I, I, I but I look at Carr after Cooper left, and he played better. Like, yeah, he did. I, I think part of it was Cooper. I don't. Th- I don't think it was all on Carr. No, I don't either. I don't think it was all on Carr. But also, Derek Carr is not the guy that's going to just try to force you the ball because you're the big name dude. You know what I mean? He's going to spread it around. He's going to hit Seth Roberts. He's going to hit Jared Cook. He's going to throw it to the fullback. He's going to check down to Jalen Richard. I don't think he cares where the ball goes. In his mind, it's like I'm trying to go with the high percentage pass. I'm trying to complete the ball. I'm trying to keep the chain moving. I, Antonio Brown wants to be fed. He wants to be fed like he's a running back. A running back who gets the ball 25 times a game. You know what I'm saying? And and I don't think Derek Carr is going to do that. So no, I'm not saying that it's all on, on Carr why Cooper wasn't getting fed. I just think that it's one of those scenarios that if that continues to happen and Antonio Brown's there and he's not being treated the way he feels like he needs to, then we're going to see the Gatorade bottle being thrown. We're going to see his helmet being thrown. We're going to hear about furniture being thrown out of his house. We're going to see him speeding down the highway at 100 miles an hour uh, trying to escape the, the Coliseum or wherever the hell they're playing or going down so the you're saying he's going to be Ricky Jarrett from Ballers. Basically, he's going to act a damn fool. <laughs> he's going to act a damn fool. That's my other concern. And Derek Carr is not the guy that's going to go get in his grill and light him up. He's just not that dude. I'm not saying he's soft, but he's not the guy who's going to go and just get in his grill. If, if he has a problem with Big Ben, and Big Ben and him can't see eye to eye, and, and you know what I mean? And, and I, I think that there's issues with Ben as well. I'm not all, putting this all on AB, but I just I, I kind of look at Ben as a little bit tougher, a little bit thicker skinned than, than Derek Carr is even, and I just I don't think that that's a good blend. But with all that being said, I think John Gruden's going to say, that's a hell of a, a wide receiver. That's a football player. That's what a Raider looks like. Let's go get him. Yeah, but then I know they did it with Martavius Bryant, but do the Raiders and Steelers make that trade? A superstar receiver going to the Raiders that would help them with the history of the Raiders and the Chiefs. I mean, outside or the Raiders and the Steelers, outside of the Chiefs, I think the Steelers are the Raiders' biggest rival. Well, I, I'll say the Raiders aren't in the AFC North with them, and they're not trading Antonio Brown to anyone in the AFC North, and they're not trading him to the Patriots. So. I mean, they could send him to San Francisco, but that's where Antonio wants to go. So I don't think that the Steelers are going to send him where he wants to go. And I can see if the price is right. I mean, again, you're talking about business here. If the price is right and the Raiders give him the highest offer at a second-round pick at number 35 overall, and maybe San Francisco comes with a third-round pick, I think that the Steelers will say, yeah, Raiders, we're not the biggest fan of you, but yeah, we'll take it. Okay, so let's move on to a teammate of his, Le'Veon Bell, who's the top running back available in free agency. And 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 let's make it clear, as we're talking about free agents, we're at, on this show right now, we're not talking about guys we think the Raiders are going to resign or should resign. We're talking about other teams' free agents. So Le'Veon Bell, the top running back out there right now, one of the, best, one of the four best in the NFL right now, set up all last year with the contract dispute. Now, he's a guy that there are rumblings behind the scenes that may, he may be tagged again yep. in hopes that they could trade him. 
Raiders are going to have a need a running back if Marshawn doesn't come back. Even if he comes back, I still think you need to go get a running back because he went down last year. Um, I love everything he brings to the table. He embodies Oakland. He embodies, you know, I love, I, I've always been a huge Marshawn Lynch fan. Um, everything about him, I, I, I think he's that guy. Um, talking with a good friend of mine, um, you know him, Dwayne Wright, played at Fresno State. Both were drafted to Buffalo the same year. Um, and Dwayne is like, dude, Marshawn is the most real person down to earth dude you're ever going to meet. Dwayne swears by. They still talk to this day. Right. So, and for for Dwayne to tell me that 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 carries a lot of weight because Dwayne, I've known Dwayne a long time, and he doesn't say say that about too many people. Um, I digress. Um, if Bell's available, you probably can get him on a four year deal. I'd say you can get, him, and he's twenty, you know, twenty eight now. But here's the caveat: he's never played a full season in the NFL. Exactly right. Would, so, uh, do you want to pay that money to Bell? And I'll be the difference, different making type of back, or would you want to pass on him and draft somebody in hopes that you can hit a home run with him? I think that's a question the Raiders are going to have to ask themselves. It is a question, and I think that you, uh, I think that you answered it yourself. I think that you absolutely just pass on Le'Veon Bell and you go into the draft and hope you hit a home run. There's running backs that are available. There's a guy out of Alabama, Josh Jacobs, that I think is a home run hitter. I mean, he's an absolute home run hitter. If you want a big-time running back, and I do think that they need to address that position, I think you go after a guy like that. You uh, you know that you have Chris Warren III coming back. I don't know what he's going to be. He was nice in the preseason, but that's the preseason. But you do have that in your back pocket as well. You got Jalen Rashard coming back. Marshawn, I think, is done. If he does come back, you still need another uh, running back. Or, yeah, running back. Uh, I, I just think that you, you got to pass on Le'Veon Bell. Don't use your money there. Use your money somewhere else. If you're going to spend money on a big-time free agent, I'd rather be like a C.J. Mosley, a, a linebacker, a guy who's going to be a stud. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe even an Anthony Barr. I mean, so, someone that you know could be a difference maker and a playmaker, which Le'Veon Bell can be, but when his, he's not available, like you mentioned, he's never played a full season ever. And, by the way, he sat out a year. So it's not like he's just all of a sudden in game shape. And I get it. He's, he'll have time to get back in shape. And, and he's, a, he's a young man still, so he, he can make it happen. But also, Pittsburgh ran the hell out of him. They ran and threw the ball yeah. a lot. So he has a lot of uh, wear and tear on those tires already. So I, I, I'd say, you know, go ahead and, and let the team like the Jets spend $70 million on him or whatever it is. You know, go, let him go ahead and break the bank. Let the Colts go do it. They got plenty of money. They got over $100 million in cash space. Let them go do it and feel like they're that much closer to a championship. I'm okay with that. I'd rather the Raiders go into the draft and, and go get a guy that they can feel like could be their own for a good, you know, four, five, six years, whatever, and uh, and just go from that. And, and that's what part of the evaluation job is. You got at least 10, 10 picks this, this upcoming draft. Use them wisely. So what if the Steelers did tag him and they call the Raiders and say, give us a one, give us 24, and give us 35 for Bell and Antonio Brown? I tell him to kick rocks. Oh, so you're willing to give up 35 for Brown. Yes. But you're not willing to throw in pick 24 for the rights to have Le'Veon Bell. 
No, no, I don't need both. I don't, I don't think the team needs both. I really don't. And again, I'm not big fan of them giving up number 35. I just think that that's what they're going to do. I think that they're in, you know what I mean? I think that they want to give up number 35 or or give up something like that to go get Antonio Brown because I think John Gruden really, really covets Antonio Brown. I, I That's that's just me trying to put my myself in the shoes of Gruden and Mike Mayock. That's that's me saying that out loud. I, I think that that's what they want to do. I'm not a fan of Antonio Brown, what he could bring to that locker room and, and what he could do to Derek Carr. It actually scares the hell out of me. So, no, I mean, I'm not really comfortable with it. I just am comfortable with it because I think that that's what they're going to do. That's the difference. I would actually consider that because you're getting no. arguably the top back in the NFL. I know Todd Gurley and there's, there's you know, Saquon Barkley already can be in that group, I think. Um and then you, but then you, and you get like, like that right there. You get your, you get RB one, WR one to go with QB one. And if you resign Cook, that offense has a completely different looking dynamic now. That's something I honestly would really consider. Yeah, but they're all I old. Would, they're all, I mean, not old, but they're all older. And, and how long is that fix? You know what I'm saying? Like the Raiders have been bad for so long, dog. That's the thing. They've been bad for so long. They've had one winning year since they went to the Super Bowl. They've had one year when they've been above 500 since they went to the Super Bowl and got smoked by John Gruden. I, I don't want to see them good. I don't want another 2016 where it's like, wow, this is a really great year. And then also 2017 sucks. I want them to be good and then sustain it you know what i mean i want them to have that longevity john gruden has a 10-year contract be good get your team build your team up get them to to be able to be on, on on you know built on bricks instead of built on sand that's what i'm worried about when you build your team just through free agency and you don't hit on the draft guess what father time still is undefeated I know there's a couple guys that are breaking the rules right now, but ultimately, Father Time is going to be undefeated. Hell, I mean, look at just anybody. Look at anybody. Everyone slows down at some point. And when they do, if you don't have the youngsters to come up to, to clean it up and make it better, just like Pittsburgh does with Juju, that's why Antonio Brown's even a subject of this conversation. If it's not for Juju, Antonio Brown's not going anywhere. Because he's there, because Juju's there, is why Antonio Brown is available. Because they had James Conner is why Le'Veon Bell is, you know, okay, hey, we can afford to let him go because we have a youngster that we haven't worn him out yet and he's going to go out there and ball and by the way we can go get another dude and we can basically have two guys be one guy I mean there's it's, it's all right. man the, the good franchises they draft and they don't they don't build their team through free agency they just they just get like get the the the, the quick fixes that they need like put a, a little bit of a, 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 a masking tape on a small area, they don't build. They don't build their whole house with masking tape. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, I, you don't I, do it. I agree, but but if the, let's say that the Patriots were to give up their first and second rounder for Bell and Brown, they're hailed as geniuses. But they're close, right? Yeah, but that's because they're well, that's because well, they're no, there. No, but 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 my point is is the, what's good for the goose has to be good for the gander. Because no, not necessarily you, though. Not necessarily. No, because the, the Raiders aren't anywhere close. If the steel, if the if the Patriots went and did that, that's because they're about to make another Super Bowl run, and they think that those guys could put them over the top. And then guess what? In a year, they're all they're both gone. But but let me. You don't think that okay? At four, you take a Josh Allen, right? Okay. Then you twenty four use is Le'Veon Bell. At twenty seven, you get let's say you get Enkil Harry, right? And then in round three, all of a sudden you draft your you get your safety or your, you know, and let's say you have a, okay, you brought him up a CJ Mosley that you signed as a free agent to put inside at that Mike spot. 
your team offensively, you're on par now with. I mean, you're on par with the other two teams in the AFC West that are good, that, that that were in the playoffs with the Chargers and Chiefs. I mean, look, I know Mahomes had a phenomenal year. It's one year, but I do believe that you know he's the real deal. Um, Philip Rivers had had a great year. Is it that one blip on the radar? Now is his, now is his career going to start that that downward turn? But you add you add those pieces. The Raiders have an offense now which can be explosive. Something they really weren't a lot of last year. I mean, for me, if you, that's why I consider you, when you have those three first round picks, you can, I think you can afford to give one up to bring in somebody like a Bell. No, would I do it for Brown? Just straight up, no, I wouldn't. But it's a package deal of Brown and Bell who know how to play with each other. Who know now? now Car can okay. Now I got Gruden. I got two new toys, and if I can get Jared Cook to resign, okay. And then you know if we can drop another receiver, or let's say they go get a, a lower level receiver in free agency to help out there. You already have Jordy Nelson as well. Like you have some pieces there to me that that isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I think it, it, are they going to make a Super Bowl run? No, but they can make a playoff run. And then once you start that new season, you never know what could happen. Now, I'm not trying to get people's hopes up and say this is being talked about or this is happening. This is just conjecture between me and Q. Okay, so let me make let me be clear. But that's something I would consider. If, the, if that option was available, I think you have to for the Raiders. I would be okay if they traded one of the picks. If they have three in the first round and they trade one, I don't care if they do trade. That's fine. But, again, I think that Le'Veon Bell has way too much wear and tear on his body. I don't think that he's a guy that you can count on. I don't think he's going to be reliable all season long. And, again, how long is he going to last? Plus, he wants a boatload of money. That's the other thing. He wants a boatload of money. So, if you're going to sign him as a free agent and then you're going to trade and go get A.B., I just think that that's, you're, you're, just, you're just counting, you're counting on, on those guys to, ca- to come through too much. And I, I just, I don't like it. I do not like it. If you're going to go get one of those guys and you happen to give up that second round pick for AB, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that either, but I'm okay with it because Derek Carr needs a guy that he can, he can get the rock to. I mean, at the end of the season, who is he throwing the ball to? I mean, I mean, I don't even know the name of the wide receivers he's throwing the ball to at the end of the season. I mean, I don't. Brandon LaFell was like his go-to guy at one time and then he tore his Achilles. And that, what does that tell you? You know what I mean? Like, Jared Cook was the guy. I don't see him coming back. I don't think he's coming back. He's going to go get his payday. And I don't think the Raiders, because they could already be talking to him, they haven't spoke to him yet. So, I don't see him coming back. I mean, there's... Marcel Altman, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Marcel Altman out of Oklahoma State. Yeah, he was a seventh-round pick. I mean, that's fine, but... You know, he, he's more of a red zone target in my case, in, in my opinion. Uh, he was in, in the shadow of James Washington in, in 20, uh, in, well, when he was at Oklahoma State. And he was okay. He was okay at moments. But, I mean, is that the guy that you're trying out there as your number one? I mean, you need a real deal dude. And I just think that it makes more sense to build this team through the draft and then fill maybe a couple holes, uh, you know, either through a trade or free agency. I just, again, I go back to A.B. because I know that John Gruden loves him. He, he just, I mean, he drooled over. He called him, I mean, he compared him to Jerry Rice. I mean, that's all you need to know is that he compared him to Jerry Rice. It's like it's like comparing him to Joe Montana, or a, a quarterback to Joe Montana. You do that, I mean, you're saying something. So, you know, or, or a modern-day Tom Brady. Oh, this this guy, is. Just, I haven't seen a quarterback like him since Tom Brady. Okay, that gets my yeah. attention. So that that's the only reason I say that. I don't like building through free agency. I don't like giving away assets for trades, but I can see them doing that in that scenario, and that's it. Okay, so let's move on to more free agent guys that could potentially be targets. Uh, 
I think at the end of the year, Carl Joseph played really well. They found the spot for him that he could at his natural spot. But the other the other safety position to me is a big question mark. And there's two guys that are clear cut the two best safeties in this free agency group. And I hate not having Ha Ha Clinton Diggs in there because I thought uh, I thought up until the last two years he was an upper echelon safety. I don't think he is as much now. But um, Earl Thomas and Landon Collins. Yep. Now. Collins still could be a guy that gets uh, transition tagged or franchise tagged by the Giants. Um, we don't know that yet. But they're both guys that I think come in and instantly help, especially Thomas, being able to play that free where he's able to roam and, and make plays. Like, And he brings that leadership, that toughness. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he's coming off the broken with a broken ankle or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and then Collins, I mean, they, they I, he's coming off a shoulder surgery. Um towards the end of the year, but he's a guy, again, a big, strong, playmaking safety, um, relatively young. He's in his, going into his fifth year. Um, he's a guy that I think a lot of teams are going to be calling about because of his age and the production that he had in the Giants' defense. I do, too, and I think that Landon Collins is a guy that will probably be available. You know, he, he may get tagged, like you mentioned, but he, if he is available, I think a lot of teams are going to go after him because he's a hell of a player. And I think Earl Thomas, honestly, I like him a lot. Uh, he's an eraser at the end, at the back end, like you mentioned. Uh, he cleans up a lot of mistakes that, that defensive backs have, and we all seen that the Raiders have a lot of uh, questions and a lot of mistakes that they make as far as the defensive back position goes. But I think, ultimately, he's ended up in, in, in Texas. I think he's going to the, the Dallas Cowboys, and I think he's probably going to take a hometown discount just to go to him i mean he wants to be home he wants to be in texas i mean he went to school at ut he wants to be he's enrolled his kid back into school in austin i mean he's ultimately i think not leaving the state of texas until it's a road game i think he's gonna end up with the cowboys so i think that the raiders trying to go after him and try to lure him to california to vegas whatever just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because i don't think that's where his heart's gonna be i got you what about okay now a guy I know a lot of other teams are going to look at, and, and he's going to be available uh, in part because his team has major cap issues uh, after signing Kirk Cousins to that huge deal where it was like, what, $28 million guaranteed, some crazy number like that uh, per season, um, is Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr is, is a California guy. He's got a play to UCLA, played in a 3-4 there, and goes to Minnesota, plays in, in, in both a 3-4 and a 4-3. Um, edge rusher he gets into trouble when he has to cover you know and it's kind of expected but he's super athletic he's a guy again that can come in and fill a huge role and a few and a huge need that the raiders have he's another guy that I, there's been a lot of rumors that he may want to be a raider behind the scenes I, I could I, I mean I mentioned him earlier Anthony Barr I could see them going out and getting him I think he's a heck of a player uh, you did you know mention his his weakness which is he gets in trouble in coverage I totally get that but man the dude could play and uh, I mean he, he wants to get his payday he wants to get his money uh, maybe he's one of the guys that have been calling Gruden's phone saying that they want to come play for him even though that's tampering but I mean maybe maybe that's one of, you know maybe that's he's one of the guys I don't know but I, I wouldn't mind seeing Anthony Barr in the silver and black I think he's a hell of a player and really the Raiders at some point and I don't know if it's going to be this year's draft 
draft because the draft is not very strong as far as the linebacker's position goes. They need to go get them a real deal linebacker, a, a guy of their own. They haven't had a real deal linebacker really since Kirk Morrison and Thomas Howard. And before that, it was Greg Beekert. I mean, it's been a long, long time since the Raiders have had a real deal linebacker, a guy that you you knew could go sideline to sideline, could play in coverage, can go down and make tackles. Uh, you know, he wasn't a liability, knew what he was doing, could be the leader of that defense. They have not had their own guy in a very, very long time. So Rolando McClain was supposed to be that dude. And well, we all know how that shook out. So yeah, uh, it, it's it's been a long time coming and, and they need to get it done. Uh, Anthony Barr would be a really good bridge guy for, you know, two, three, four years, whatever whatever they decide to give him a contract for. And uh, they, they got to go find their own guy at some point, though. I, I'm thinking, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about another guy. Um, there's two guys that really come to mind that I think could be available. There's there's questions or not that can be tar- targeted or um, or tagged, excuse me. Um, and one will hurt, and they both will actually – in the long term, help the Raiders. Um, one will, hurt, will help them immediately, twice a year, and that player is D Ford of the Chiefs. And the other is a guy you know very well from me down there in Texas, is Jadavion uh, Clowney, who I think could break the bank. And that would be a guy I think coming in. You put him with, on the opposite side of Arden Key, uh, with with the, with that D line. He's a freak. I mean, is he going to get franchise tag? Will the Texans do that? That's a question that has to be asked. Yeah, no, and that's something I've asked John McClain, who covers the Texans uh, like a glove. He works for the Houston Chronicle Hall of Fame voter. I ask him that all the time, and he said Clowney's not getting out of Houston. They said there's no way that they're going to let him go. They're going to either tag him or they're going to get him done, uh, a deal done with him. He's not going to get Khalil Mack money. He's not going to get Aaron Donald money, but he's going to get a pretty fat payday. The Houston Texans have plenty of money underneath the cap. They're going to get it done. Um, I know a lot of people would like to see Clowney, but I think that, one, Khalil Mack was uh, a lot better, even though Clowney is really good. But he's not he, he's not like the sack artist that Khalil Mack is. He's not as good in, in, as, as, a, as a run stuffer as Khalil Mack is. But... He is damn good, and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything from him. It's just when you had one thing and you're you're going to get something else, and now you're going to get someone else's when you had it in your own house. It's it's kind of it's kind of frustrating. But according to John McClain, Jadavion Clowney will not leave Houston. So uh, I think that I think that's kind of just like uh, champagne champagne wishes. What about D Ford? I don't know. I don't think he's going to leave Kansas City either. But he's a hell of a player. He's a hell of an edge rusher. I mean, he he can make it happen. You know, I mean, and, and coming off a, a pretty damn good year, uh, I, I would love to see him in the silver and black, and, and it would really piss off the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's kind of the history of the, the Chiefs and the Raiders. You know, if you leave Kansas City, you go to the, the Raiders. If you leave the Raiders, you go to Kansas City. It's just one of those things. Rich Gaddon, Ronnie Hudson, uh, Harvey Williams, uh, Albert Wilson. I mean, the, the list goes on. And Marcus Allen. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's just what happens. Albert Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Albert Lewis was one of my players back in the day, man. Terry McDaniel and Albert Lewis, man. That was – that was a hell of a combo. I like those cats. But, uh, yeah. And Harvey Harvey Williams, man, I loved him with his long neck. Long-ass so neck. A, yep, long neck. A hell neck. of a runner. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just the history of the team, you know. And So I can see it happening, uh, and I would like it, but I, I just don't know if the Kansas City Chiefs are going to let him get away either. I mean, they have a new defensive coordinator, so who knows if the philosophy changes any on defense. Maybe he doesn't think that he's as, uh, as necessary as, as he really is. And that would be great, but I, I don't think Kansas City lets him get away either. What about Demarcus Lawrence? You know, you're down there in Cowboy <laughs> Country. Yeah, he ain't going nowhere either. <laughs> that he ain't go, he ain't going nowhere either. I mean, I know the Cowboys are talking about uh, most people. Okay, most people that I talk to that cover the Cowboys say he's priority number one this offseason for the for the Cowboys. So. 
I don't think that they're going to even have to tag him. I think that they're going to get that long-term deal done. Um, it's not going to be Khalil Mack money, but it's going to be close. Uh, and I, I don't I don't blame them. You know, they already tagged him last year. If they tag him again, it'll be like 20-something million on the franchise tag. And so I just think that they're going to get a deal done. But he is priority number one as far as the Cowboys go. So I would be super surprised to see him get away. I'm surprised priority number one isn't going to be their head coach in 2020, Sean Payton. <laughs> yeah, <just laughs> that, hey, that's that's yeah, that's something that's in the in the works too. You already know that that's going to shake out at some point. Hey, absolutely. Okay, so there's there's an under the radar guy that had a breakout year this year for the Seahawks, the edge rusher Frank Clark. Yep, he's the guy that C, the Seahawks have to look at paying Russell Russell uh, Wilson and Sierra a ton of money. A ton of money, especially after he bought all of her masters, so she could start her label. So he's already he's already looking to get paid. So Frank Clark is a guy. He may be a good fit. You know, is he Bruce Irvin? No, he's younger. You know, and again, but now this for if I'm gonna have any trepidation, it's because it's only been one year. He really had that breakout Contract year. Season. So he's a guy you you could get at a, a reasonable rate, at a decent rate. And get a guy that that was highly productive last year, and hopefully he's highly productive going forward. I mean, highly productive is is like an understatement. I mean, you got talking about thirteen sacks. You're talking about three forced fumbles and an interception. I mean, my dude was out there balling. But again, I get nervous when it's a contract year. I mean, he he's been a guy that they've been building up and building up, and they've really been trying to groom him. And that's why they found uh, Michael Bennett expendable. That's why they let Michael Bennett go because they felt like they had a young bull under uh, in Michael in uh, in in Frank Clark on the way, and they were right. You know, they did so. Uh, I, it's funny, man, because everyone that you've been mentioning, I feel like are guys that aren't going to leave that team. I don't think that Seattle's going to let him get away. Matter of fact, I heard that they're going to franchise him with the hopes of getting a long-term deal done. So I'm expecting them to franchise him in the next like week or so. That opens up, I believe, uh, February 19th is when they can start tagging guys. So I think he gets tagged immediately, and then they hope to get that long-term deal done. But Frank Clark ain't leaving Seattle, not in my opinion. Man, I swear to God, I'm gonna call you Q the Dream Killer, man. You're killing Raider fans' dreams everywhere. I am, man. I am, and, and again, it's one of those <laughs> things. I'm killing the dreams, but at the same time, I think that I'm, I'm in the long run, I'm making the most sense only because this team is going to be built. If you hit on the right guys, they're going to be built for the long haul instead of the short satisfaction. And long money in the long run is better than short money. Okay, so a guy that I don't think will be tagged, Trey Flowers of the Patriots. Yeah, that's possible. He's very possible. He he could be out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a guy that can come in. He brings a championship pedigree. Mayock is a huge, huge rate uh, Patriot fan of how they build things. As is Gruden. That's what he's kind of trying to do and with the Raiders right now. So they both are kind of lockstep. He could be a guy that again a culture changing guy. You know, you're kind of you know, and a lot like Jordy Nelson, what they did with Jordy Nelson last year, they paid him to help change the culture. Help you know, help help that transition and culture change. Flowers could be the same type of guy, but he's super athletic. I mean, if I remember right, he played linebacker, he played DN, he's, he's intercepted passes, he's caused, caused fumbles, he gets to the quarterback. He's a special type of player. And again, because you play for the Patriots, you kind of go under the radar. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I think, and I think the Dolphins will be on him, especially with Brian Flores down there now. But he's a guy I would definitely keep an eye on if I'm the Raiders and I'm a Raiders fan. No, I would too. And the other thing about it is he's not going to get tagged, you know, because the Patriots just don't do that. You know what I mean? If it's your time to go, it's your time to go. They'll let you go a couple years early, then they'll keep you around a couple of years too late. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the Patriot way. They just handle their business differently than every other team in the league. Okay, it's time for him to get a big payday. Eh, that's okay. We'll put someone else in there and we'll feature him. I mean, really, 
I mean, who they win the Super Bowl with this year? They won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, uh, some uh, Gronkowski, obviously, Edelman, obviously. But on defense, they don't have a bunch of names. They don't have a bunch of big time dudes. Stephon Gilmore is like got the biggest name on the defensive side of the ball. You know what I mean? It's oh like, no, dude, Dante Hightower. Yeah, yeah, that, no, you're right. Young, yeah. McCourty brothers. No, yeah, but the McCourty brothers are good. I mean, they're not great, but oh, they're, dude, they're come good. On. Jason made the play the damn Super Bowl, leaving his his zone to break up the touchdown, which should have been a touchdown catch. But that was on Jared Goff. That was on Goff for throwing the ball so late. He threw it super late. But he still had to make the play. No, he did. He did. But I'm saying the biggest name, Stephon Gilmore has a big name. You're right about Hightower, but Stephon Gilmore has a big name and the highest paycheck on defense. I mean, look at the guys who are getting paid on defense. Stephon Gilmore's got, got got the dough. There's no other guy. He was a, but he was a free agent acquisition from, from the Bills. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They paid him they just like they paid Jarrell Revis. They, remember, they brought Revis over, too, and he, he filled the same role. They gave him $20 million. They won the Super Bowl. They gave Stephon Gilmore a bunch of money. They won the Super Bowl. But outside of those guys, they usually don't go out there and spend a whole lot of bread. I mean, hell, they let Richard Seymour go. They let Vince Wolford go. They let Willie McGinnis go. I mean, they let guys on defense go. They let uh, who's uh, Chandler Jones. They let that cat go. You know what I'm saying? Like, they yeah, let they him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they let Jamie Collins. I mean, they they'll make moves and let you go. They're not worried about you sticking around because they know that they're the kind of team that can go get another guy, put him in your place, coach him up, and he's going to do his job. If not do his job, he's going to be gone. Okay, one 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 last free agent. Then I got uh, kind of something I want to run by you. Uh, C.J. Mosley of the of the yep. Ravens. You brought him up I earlier. Like him. I like him. I I love his game. I love him coming out of out of Alabama. Yep. Um, Big thumper, inside backer. The, the knock was he couldn't be a three-down guy. He's proven he can. The guy can just flat-out ball. Um, he, he's a guy, again, you need that middle linebacker with some shirt up. And he's, you know, he's coming out of his, I think he's coming out of his first contract. They're not going to, I mean, there's an, you know, Eric DaCosta's there now running the show for the Ravens um, with, with, with Ozzie Newsom retiring after a tremendous career. He could be a guy that you look at and say, okay, like, this could be a guy we could kind of steal and come in and help, you know, recreate that defense that, that we really need to have he could in order be, to win big ball. He games. could be a young Navarro Bowman. I mean, the Raiders got a little bit of taste of Navarro Bowman at the end of his career, but he could be a young Navarro Bowman or even, uh, no, I'm not going to say that because that guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he could be a hell of a player. I mean, he, he can be, and he has been a hell of a player for the Baltimore Ravens. If the Raiders were able to steal him and add him to the, the defense, I'd be fine with that. If they had to break the bank and overpay, which is that's what free agency is, I'd be okay with that because C.J. Mosley is the real deal. He is a hell of a player. Uh, I, w- I would love to see them add him to the team. That would be a guy, you talk about draft crushes, that's like a free agent crush for me. I would love to see C.J. Mosley be the commander of that defense, be the guy, three down back, guy who can come down, shed blocks, uh, uh, stop the run, uh, be a be a, an asset in coverage instead of a liability. I mean, just be that guy, sideline to sideline, and like you mentioned, a thumper. I want to. I, I would love to see that. Really, my crush last year, my my draft crush last year was Reggie Ragland. I real uh, not Reggie Ragland. Excuse me. Uh, damn it, he went to the uh, he went to the Bears. Uh, not Reggie. He was he went to Georgia too. Uh, yeah, Roquan, yeah, Smith. Um, Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith. Yeah, Reggie Ragland. My bad. Sorry, Roquan. But yeah, Roquan Smith was my guy. I wanted him. He was a sideline to sideline dude. And look what he did in 2018. Man, his rookie year was outstanding and for some reason because he doesn't have a star on his helmet and he wasn't named Khalil Mack he didn't uh he, he didn't get the kind of recognition he should have because uh, Leighton Vander Esch got all kind of love for, for the being a cowboy and then Khalil Mack got all the love in Chicago but still 
Roquan Smith had a hell of a rookie year. I mean, absolute rookie. I mean, hell, he had five sacks alone. He had five sacks, a couple interceptions, 120-something tackles. I mean, the dude was a monster. That was the guy that I was really hoping was going to drop to the Raiders at number 10, but at number 8 was uh, uh, the Chicago Bears, and they went and grabbed him. And then we all know, and you know for a fact, that the Raiders were going to draft an offensive lineman anyway, so they weren't going to get him. But still. That was that was my guy, and then Derwin James was my guy, and well, neither one of those happened. But Colton Miller happened. That was awesome. That was great. Whatever. You like to hear the sarcasm in your voice. Oh yeah, I'm. Yeah, you should have seen the look I just gave the microphone. Jeez. Hey, I was at I was at my boy Joe Pacheco's house. Right, we're watching the draft together, and um, I, I kind of got word that like Miller was the guy. Well, it was actually the. McGlinchey from yeah, Notre Dame, and then right. once that happened and they traded back, uh, I got a got word, and I was like, "Hey," because he's a he was used to be a huge UCLA fan. I'm like, "You're gonna get your boy," and he's like, "What?" Oh man, don't tell me that he sucks. <laughs> Damn, and, and for him to say that, it was the funniest thing. He's like, "I just hope he he just does all right." I mean, he's he's weak and. Man, I really wanted Derwin James. I mean, and we'll have to chuckle on the show because he's so passionate about the Raiders. And um, he's, he's the dude, like, I wasn't a Miller guy at all. at all. And, and I'm glad you brought up the O-line because I heard something today, um, and I didn't get it for anybody from the Raiders. It was just an NFL dude. We were kind of just talking about a few different things. There is a rumor going around that can you tell you Semele or Semele? may be released or traded by the Raiders. Now, I'm not saying that it is actually going to happen. There are some people but like in NFL circles that look at what he's getting paid, and I know it's a good contract for the Raiders. They cut him. There's no cap hit at all. Right. Reggie, did a, Reggie McKenzie did a phenomenal job with that. Yep. But that's money that, that they could have potentially added on. I mean, they could be in the high in the mid to high 90s as far as salary cap space if, if Assembly is gone and a few other guys. Um how would you feel if if they if they say hey you know what you know you know Big O you, you did your thing and and we're just going to move on because quite frankly we want we want to bring in some other guys that that maybe fit that we want what we want to do offense on the offensive line under cable how would you feel about that I actually would be okay with it I was ready to move on from him at the trade deadline during 2018 and it's not because he's a bad player but he doesn't fit the system. He fit the system that was originally designed when the Raiders, dra- uh, not drafted him, but signed him as a free agent to that nice contract. I mean, they were doing a power blocking scheme. Now they're not. They're doing a zone blocking scheme under Tom Cable. One, I hate Tom Cable. Two, I hate the zone blocking scheme. It never works for the Raiders. It never, ever works for the Raiders. I don't care who they try to do it with. I don't care what running back they try to use. I don't care who's the coach. And usually it's Tom Cable. It just never works. So, Kelechi Assembly in 2018 had to lose 25 pounds before training camp just to try to be that athletic, nimble guy that could fit into the zone blocking scheme. That's why Colton Miller became a guy that they said, you know what, we're going to keep him at left tackle position because he's nimble, he's an athletic guy, he's not really a bruiser, obviously, we saw that. Uh, You know, it's just, he's not a scheme fit. And I saw where Assembly tweeted out that, hey, I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, I've lost some more weight. I'm uh, I'm cut more. So maybe he's trying to prove that he can be that guy. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, he's not a fit in the scheme. And if you're going to run that zone blocking scheme, which every other team in the league somehow runs and it's very successful for them, it just doesn't work for the Raiders for some dumbass reason. I don't know what it is, but it never works. If you're going to run that, if you're hell-bent on running that, then get guys that fit in it. 
You know what I mean? The, and so the only guy that I'm convinced is not going anywhere is the center, Rodney Hudson. I believe he is a, a great fit. I think Gabe Jackson is going to be there. But if Assembly is moved on from, I can see them moving Gabe Jackson back to the left uh, guard spot. I absolutely can see them doing that, going out and getting the right guard. They still need to address the right tackle position because Brandon Parker, in my opinion, is not the guy. And Colton Miller, I got my yep. eye on him. And I don't know what he's going to do at the left tackle position, but you know he's going to be there. I disagree. I think I actually think they should flip Parker and, and Miller. I actually think Miller is is better suited for the right side, and Parker is better suited for the I left side. I think Parker is better suited for the bench. I think he's a depth see, guy. He's he was a reach. I see. I don't think so. I, I think that's one of those that one of those high upside. If I get this young dude, I mean, I didn't ex- I didn't expect him to come in and start. Neither Not did he. Neither did he. I mean, Donald Penn looked like he was going to be the guy at the right tackle position. You know what I mean? I mean, they moved him over. Again, I think Colton did fine at the left tackle position. He was banged up most of the year. He wasn't as bad as I make him sound to be, but he still wasn't that great. You know what I'm saying? I'm fine with him at the left tackle position. I'm concerned about that right tackle position. I'm really concerned about that right tackle spot. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this. Charles Woodson. Next Raider cornerback coach, yes or no? No. I don't think so. I think he ends up at the NFL Network. Yeah, I, I do too. I just don't see him. And I know it was coincidental that – or I, I know it was it was funny how, uh, you know, all of a sudden he tweeted out that he was leaving ESPN, and then all of a sudden immediately, like, Derek Ansley was gone as a secondary coach. And everybody in Raider Nation, even myself, was like, Seawood, does that mean you're hmm. going there? And look, I love Charles Woodson. Because he was a great player does not mean he was going to be a great coach, even if that was his destination. That don't mean he was going to be a great coach. Rod Woodson wasn't a very good coach, and he was a hell of a player. So I'm not, you know, I wasn't going to put all my eggs in that basket anyway just because he has a name. I wasn't going to do that. I mean, he was still going to be a first-time head coach, or not head coach, but a first-time position coach, period. So I'm with you. I think he's going to another network, and I think NFL Network makes more sense because he's very opinionated. He's very, as a matter of fact, uh, and he's a little bit, I don't want to say too brash and too in-your-face for ESPN, but he's kind of too brash and too in-your-face for ESPN. <laughs> I think um, the name that I would like the Raiders to go after um, to fill that position, and I don't know this that they are because he just um, he just uh, got picked up by the Browns as a, um, I think, a passing game specialist or coordinator, uh, Joe Witt Jr., Okay. Um, he was in Green Bay he before, was, wasn't he? He was Green Bay's corner coach. Yeah. He just assessed. He just just went up the ranks to the point where last year he was, you know, he almost was the D coordinator. Petten didn't get the job. Um, he interviewed for blew people away, and they made him the. He was a DB coach and the uh, the corner coach and the um, passing game coordinator, and did a phenomenal job. And if you talk to Charles Woodson, you talk to Nick Collins, Sam Shields, Tremont Williams. Uh, Demarius Randall, you you name these corners that have, Green Bay has turned out under Joe Wood Jr., Jair Alexander, the guys that are there now, even Brashad Breedland, they're like, Joe is by far the best cornerback coach we've ever. Charles Woodson swears by him. Literally, him, Sam Shields, Tremont Williams swear by what Joe Witt. I mean, he's turned guys, again, Shields and Williams were undrafted rookies, right. and they started for for that team. And he was the corner coach. I mean, he helped Woodson make the transition from a boundary corner to that slot corner to that nickel to that hybrid. Like, that was Joe Witt. Um, everybody in football knows how good of and talented of a coach he is. Um, I think 
he's going to be a college football head coach. Um, I think he's that talented. It's just a matter of time or an NFL head coach. I think he's that talented of a coach. So he's a name I would personally go after tough. But let's make this clear about Ansley leaving. Um, it was a promotion. Right. He's the cornerback coach and co-defensive coordinator for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like he just bounced for, to be another corner coach somewhere else. Right. The Raiders did not want to lose him. He really It had to be a, a, a role that makes him closer to his goal of being a head coach at some level. And he will um, be one day. For him he will lead. be. Oh, he, he's a phenomenal core, He's a phenomenal coach. Yep. Um, I have, you know I don't begrudge him for leaving at all. I don't either. Um, but at the same time, it's like that puts the Raiders in a hole at the cornerback coach and at the running back coach position. And the quarterback coach. Think? Well, I think the quarterback. I think that's going to go to Gannon. I think that's just a matter of time. Okay. I'm, I'll, I'll say that. If Olsen doesn't do it himself, I think it's going to be Gannon, and I think that's just a matter of time. But as a running back coach, who are you looking at? Who would you want to come in, if anybody off the top of your head, to to coach running backs? Uh, that's a damn good question. I, I mean, the only really th- running back coach that I was thinking of was the one that's in uh, – he's in Dallas right now, and I don't even remember his name, but he's in Dallas right now. And I know that uh, – I know that John was looking at him uh, when he first took over the Raiders uh, the second time. Obviously, he was uh, he was looking at him, and then he decided on somebody else, or or the Cowboys gave uh, homeboy a little bit extra money. I forget his name, but uh, yeah, he's he's a running back coach for the Cowboys. That's that's the only guy that uh, I could even think of, and that's only because uh, you know he was he was already thought about one time. Yeah, it was kind of hard for me, and I, I started to kind of go through my. Um my brain as far as like who 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 are guys um that I would really consider. Um and the name that that kept coming up to me um was Skip Pete. Okay. Um Rodney Pete's father. He's been around the NFL for years. But he's a really good running back coach. Uh the guy you're thinking of is Gary Brown. Yep, Gary Brown. Yep, sure right. Yep. And Gary yeah, he was uh really close to joining that staff last year. Um really close, uh, from my understanding. Um but um but yeah, Skip but Skip Pete would be a guy I, I would kind of, you know, take a look at it. I'll, you know, I'll see who else is out there. I mean, there the it's you know, you have a guy like Tom Rathman who was, you know, we had success, moderate success with the 49ers for a number of years. He also obviously played with the Raiders um, and the 49ers during his his career. Um, he was on the Raiders coaching they, staff one time before, too. Yes, he was. I think what they could do, if they could find another receiver coach, you could slide Edgar Bennett to the running back coach, where he did that in Green Bay before he became the receivers coach for the Packers. Right. You know, people forget, and he was a very successful NFL running back. Um, he's another really good offensive mind and really good coach. Um, so, I mean, you have you have a you know you have some options that maybe they may look at and say, hey, we could bring this guy. This guy could coach our receivers, and um, and Edgar, we're gonna slide you to running backs. We'll, we'll we'll make it worth your while. That could be a good option as well. So, um, but you just never know. I mean, yeah. I I'm kind of. Um, 
I was kind of, I, I was kind of shocked that the running back coach left. To be honest with you, yeah, no, I was I too, and it that was a lateral move. I mean, all he did is follow uh, uh, Bill Callahan's son, uh, Brian Bill Callahan, over to Cincinnati. So that was an absolute lateral move. I, I I didn't understand that one, but at the same time, that's fine. If you want to go, go. But that's something that kind of is concerning that they have all three of those positions open: the running back coach, the secondary coach, and the quarterback coach. Even though you feel like it's going to be uh, addressed by Rich Gannon, and that'll be interesting if it is. Uh, I would be okay with that, but. But we'll see. I mean, I, I haven't heard that yet, and I know he he was uh, up for that position before, and he didn't want to be in the film room. He didn't want to spend all that grind time like uh, John Gruden does. So I'm not sure what a year what that makes him change his mind. But maybe he just got the itch. I don't know. So we'll see. But I mean, not having that uh, those three coaches, man, that's a lack of continuity right there, and that's something that the Raiders have always had is no continuity on that coaching staff. And yeah, the head coach is the same, the offensive coordinator is the same, but it feels like everybody. Else, oh, and the defensive coordinator is still the same, but it just feels like yeah. everything else is like okay, uh, uh, rinse and reset. You know, rinse and reset. Let's do it over again. It's like, yeah. man, come on, you gotta have some continuity with these teams. Another name that I would keep an eye on that I would inquire about as far as a quarterback coach. Uh, a guy that's down in your neck of the woods, but in Houston, Sean Salisbury. Mm-hmm. Sean almost took the job with LSU this year as their quarterback coach. Um, Sean is a he, Sean's a legit. Even though he, he's in media and he he's been with ESPN and right. he's doing some stuff. I think ESPN Houston now and his own podcast and his own show and his own network and stuff. But um, Sean's a guy that he trains a lot of kids. A lot of young quarterbacks, a lot of guys in college come back and work with them in their off season. He's a guy that embraces the grind. I think he would fit in. He's outspoken. Um, he, he's a guy that kind of fits that Gruden personality. So that would be something for me, a name to keep. I would keep an eye on, um, and I personally would be interested in to at least have a conversation, broach him with the conversation. Well, I know you it's know, good. I, 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 it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Having those positions open like that, it's going to be interesting, especially now because it's it's go time. I mean, it's the off season, and this is your most important off season. You've got to get it right. You need to make sure your your ducks are in a row, your coaches are in place, and you're ready to go. You know what I mean? Hit the ground running and get it get it on. Absolutely. Well, man, speaking of getting it on, we got it on for over two hours tonight, bro. Yeah, you ain't lying. <laughs> you ain't lying. I'm, I'm, I need dinner again. I had dinner earlier, but I got to go eat again. <laughs> it's a marathon with Q and Joe, I tell you. Yep. <laughs> well, man, I you know again, I I think you know I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Um, you know, Q and A had we had over a thousand downloads um, within the first two days of the show, um, the initial show, um, and hopefully you know we got a lot, we got some good reviews. Some people you know thought we were uh, beneath their feet, but you know okay you know that's that's kind of comical but um if, yeah. we're, if we don't that was we nuts. don't get a hater a day <laughs> that was nuts uh, by the way when, i just i just want to let i just want to throw that out there like i don't ever call people by name that that try to dog me out or whatever but uh it just really blew my mind when someone was trying to dog both of us out and i honestly and this is not being disrespectful i had never even heard of the dude i had never even heard of him and i was like okay so he called me your boy G, which is kind of weird because it's clearly Q. So if you're going to dog me out and call me out, call me out by name. That's that's all I'm saying. Well, no, I thought it was funny because, like, I don't even acknowledge that person. I, I'm he, He's too sensitive. And if you challenge him, he blocks you and then puts his tweets under protected. Like, it's crazy. Oh, wow. So I didn't hear anything about it until you 
you hit me with it like hey do you, have you heard this and I was like what and I went and listened to it and I actually started laughing because if you listen to that whole thing literally from the beginning to end of that show it was everything that you and I talked about two days earlier right right literally the same topics and it's like dude like come on like let, let's 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 be big boys now okay like whatever but i appreciate you know i appreciate the hate you know i mean you know uh, i'm gonna throw in the Chappelle haters ball you know <laughs> you know you know right here so that way you know that that guy can uh you know know that we're talking about him but you know if we're not if we, if we don't get a hater a day we're not doing something right you know you know because our whole thing is to give you different thought-provoking topics that are Raider-related to make you think and, and really challenge yourself. And, and we want you to agree, and we want you to disagree with us. And we want you to get in contact with us. I mean, Raiders Podcast on SBNation at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We want, we want you to interact with us, you know, on Twitter, through email. When we do more stuff going on down the road, we want to hang out with you guys. We want to talk Raiders with you. So that's why we do this. And that's why we have... Spitting Silver and Black with Anaya, Kaylin, and Addison, which already has their their show, their first show which they did yesterday. That's on the website. That's on um, Silver and Black Pride. And then you have Silver and Black Turf with Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter. That's about to drop their very first episode. Uh, should be within the next 24 to 48 hours. I'm gonna get a hold of them and see what's taking so long because I know it's already done and there's a lot of stuff that that's already transpired. And I and and Scott was on another podcast and crushed it. So. If you know, I mean, you know Winter like I know Winter. Yeah. He's going to bring heat. You know, he's going to give his opinion. When it comes to details with the stadium stuff, he's putting out some really good information um, in terms of just dollars and cents and everything that not too many people are going to get their hands on or, or even talk about. And then Nick Hamilton's not going to let Scott off the hook with anything. Nick's going to bring it. And I'm looking forward to hearing that show once that comes out as well. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, you know, I, I saw that they said it was done and that they were just editing it and ready to uh, send it out. So, yeah, when it once it pops, man, it's going to pop. We thank all you guys for listening, tuning in for over two hours to hear us talk Raiders, talking draft, stadium, thoughts and opinions about all kinds of other stuff. On behalf of Q, I'm Joe, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on Q&A.